Greetings, friends, and welcome to another episode of How To Wrestling, the world's first wrestling podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. And uh, I am Kevin Mann, and as I am always, joined in this a instructional guide to the world of wrestling by my better half, Joe Graham. Hello. Are you excited about this episode? I think this might be the most exciting episode we've ever done. This is, of course, How To Daniel Bryan. And honestly, I think one of the reasons why this podcast almost came up as an idea was that I remember very early on me trying to show you Daniel Bryan's stuff and being kind of like trying to explain it and not doing a very good job. So I thought, maybe we can make a podcast where I don't do a very good job of explaining wrestlers <laughs> to you. Um, How To Daniel Bryan is one which I think, if you ask me, I would have done it like the first episode. It just wouldn't have worked, though, because he wasn't wrestling when we started this podcast. Yes, Daniel Bryan, up until very recently, was in this weird kind of limbo where the only time you heard or saw Daniel Bryan was him complaining that he wasn't wrestling and making passive-aggressive Instagram posts about doctors. Now Daniel Bryan is retired, so we can view today's episode as being... A, a kind of like not just an instructional guy, but also maybe a little bit of a of a step back to appreciate the man and the rest of it is Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I think it's a kind of a nice excuse. It's a shame that we had to wait for him to retire to do it. Yeah, but at least we get to celebrate his achievements and look at his. I'm hoping that by doing this, I'll get some semblance of closure. I'm hoping so because I don't think I've still fully processed that my favorite wrestler, and he is my favorite wrestler. Um, that he is not going to wrestle ever again. Because that's the thing. It's I think Daniel Bryan is a lot of wrestling fans' favourite wrestler. Oh, a, absolutely. A lot of wrestling fans. And I imagine that when you first uh, started watching wrestling, that his name was one that came up quite a bit. Oh, yeah. He's easily the most famous wrestler that I had heard of I was going to say, he's, I started. he was like the most recognisable bearded wrestler, but then mm. again, the Wyatts were probably slightly more. <laughs> True. But I know you mentioned right when we first met that you loved Daniel Bryan. Hi, I- I'm Kevin. I would like to go on a date with you. <laughs> P.S. I love Daniel Bryan. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember you mentioning very early on in our relationship that you had a bit of a crush on him. I do have a, a bit of a crush on Daniel Which Bryan. Which I completely get now. At the time, I was like, he's not even that handsy. What? <laughs> My, this new guy I'm dating has no taste at all. And I'll be honest, that almost hurt me as much as that one time Adam told me that he didn't really see why I thought Daniel Bryan was like the best wrestler in the world. And I was just like, we can't be friends anymore. I didn't <laughs> see it either, because you showed me a match of his quite early on. And I was kind of like, well, this is fine, but it's it's no Seth Rollins. Daniel Bryan is very much a fine wine. If you just kind of buy a buy a bottle from the garage and neck it back, you're not going to be able to appreciate the layers of it straight away. So hopefully today, we will be able to appreciate the amber tones and oaky notes of Daniel Bryan's amazing career. I think similar to him being a wine also makes sense because you kind of do need someone there maybe who knows the fine art of wine yeah. who really appreciates it already who can then lead you through and explain and point out exactly why that wine is the best wine ever basically what I'm hoping is by the end of this episode Joe will like Daniel Bryan as much as she likes Pinot Grigio yeah. both as a result of my instruction <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we delve into the amazing match list God, I mean there's sometimes, I mean, earlier on when we started doing this podcast, we were watching Cena and Hogan, it was a bit of a <laughs> fucking drag, but we had Mr. Perfect and now we've Daniel Bryan. This was a, an absolute treat to watch. Yeah. But before we get into our matches, I think it's time for what Joe learned in wrestling this week. So this week, 
in things I learned in wrestling. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I've said a lot of ridiculous things of stuff I've learned in wrestling. Yeah. But this one is, I think, the weirdest of all. Okay. There's a wrestling court. Mm-hmm. And this is particularly relevant because right now, as we record this episode, Hulk Hogan is in a trial with Gorka. Yeah. So this is very relevant to trials <laughs> and everything. So just so we know, um, wrestlers court, not when a wrestler goes to court. It's like their own court. It's their own little Which legal system. Which is so weird. And... Yeah. The Undertaker is the judge. Yeah. I'm not sure he's legally qualified for that role. <laughs> Don't you need some sort of formal education? Well, honey, look, we can get into the ins and outs of the appointment of judges, okay? Some people think it should be an apolitical process, but no one can doubt that The Undertaker has got the tenure there to be to be the judge. <laughs> so, wrestling court. Is there a wrestling jury in wrestling court? Yeah, there will be. I mean, really? Wrestling court essentially is when a wrestler has made some sort of social faux pas or massive infraction on a fellow wrestler and they have to get taken to wrestler's court. Now, wrestler's court is then like, you know, fair trial. Right. Fair in massive air How quotes fair there. is fair? Because, I mean, regular court, obviously, is supposed to be fair. But it isn't always. We're watching Making a Murder at the moment. and I, I, I personally would never think that The Undertaker or JBL would plant evidence against someone <laughs> being a cheap bastard. So, I mean, the things that would get you in wrestler's court are things like... Um, being cheap, like not splitting a bill, not paying road what? expenses, that kind of thing. A lot of wrestlers' court as well is like young guys not not showing respect. So like kind of maybe young guys saying disrespectful things or not being respectful to the elders. You know, not shaking everyone's hand. You know, seriously, there's but, fucking wrestlers' court for this. But I mean, some of it is kind of like. Ah, uh, you know, it's just in a bit of fun. It's kind of like, ah, here, you're being a bit of a cheap bastard. Some of it is kind of leaks into that weird hazing side of wrestling. That is in the past. I mean, right. honestly, wrestlers court, I don't even think is much of a thing anymore. It Aww. would have been much more active. You know, it's as active now as Undertaker is active. I imagine once a year around <laughs> WrestleMania, there's a big spectacle. Oh, it's wrestlers court. Once again, you know, and then people speculate, is it the last wrestler's court? Will they do it again? And lo and behold, yeah, they do another one. I hope no one gets injured in wrestler's court this year. <laughs> I was really concerned. Undertaker looked like he wasn't up He's for wrestler's court this year. We do worry. But um, JBL, commentator former wrestler, was always the prosecution. So he was, uh, he was there and you would have your defence attorney. And you know, so hang on, hang on. Defense attorney, not an actual attorney. Oh no, but a wrestler. A wrestler, a nominated wrestler. It would be depending on the situation. Okay. But usually there were like it's kind of the inner circle. The 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 elder statesman of the wrestling locker room would usually be the kind of, and it was a jury of your peers then. So the other the other wrestlers would then kind of you know bear in it. But the undertaker would be the one who would make the the decision and also the sentencing. So an example is like there was a referee Teddy Long who was accused of being a cheap bastard. He didn't pay his fair share of the road expenses or he ran out on a bill or something like that. Rude. And his thing was then that uh, his sentencing was that he had to buy them like both a case of beer. And so know. the Undertaker decides the sentence. Yeah, the Undertaker decides on that sentence. Uh, there's been some weird ones as well. I mean, there's been like ones where it's like, you know, young guys not being respectful enough and you're know, like, they have to carry someone's bags then or like pay for someone's road expenses for a month. Right. Some harsh stuff like, I'm not sure if it was because of wrestlers court, but the Miz in this kind of environment ended up not being allowed to change in the main dressing room. 
and had to change in like the public toilets in the arenas. Oh, jeez, that's and not it was fair. Because what do you do? he like was eating a piece of chicken and like the crumbs fell in someone's bag or something like that. Is that just because really they didn't like he came from a reality TV? Show? Yeah, more or less. That's like, I mean, not fair. I mean, the chicken was very much the means to the end. The chicken was very much the uh, the, the the planted DNA evidence in this case. I mean, that man was going to wrestling jail no matter what. But. <laughs> You know, depending on who you ask, it's either A, a bit of fun, or B, like, oh, it's how we keep things in check. Very much a thing of the past, but it is still shrouded in mystery. Well, like, how? What I've told you there, I mean, you heard, learned, you obviously learned a bit about this week, but, you know, people still kind of... Kayfabe is dead, but Rester's Court still has that layer of mystique. <laughs> I mean, there's only a few documented cases where people are like, oh, he went to Rester's Court because of this, and this was the charge, so... A lot of unsubstantiated wrestling court stories out there. I want a live feed from wrestling court. <laughs> I have a couple of questions about wrestling court. Yeah. Okay. One, is Vince McMahon over there? Um, He has been present for wrestling court, as far as I know. I don't know if he's ever been brought up on charges. That's kind of like... I was just wondering if he was like equivalent, like equivalent to the Undertaker in terms of sentencing. Maybe it was kind of like Vince McMahon, if he was ever in wrestler's court, and then he automatically passes on the CEO-ship to Triple H who then exonerates him like with Nixon and uh, Gerald <laughs> Ford and that kind of uh, vibe they're going for so my next question is with the plane ride from hell that yeah. obviously we covered in How See Perfect yeah our most recent episode did anyone from that mess end up in wrestling court as far as I know no are you fucking serious because wrestling court is there for when it's something that the office aren't going to like you know, the, the well, head of talent relations... Well, fucking do anything with Michael Hayes pissing on Linda McMahon. Well, yeah, but like again, Michael Hayes is essentially the Secretary of State here. He's not going <laughs> down for anything, like, you know, DNA evidence planted or otherwise, okay? <laughs> He's the, the evil sheriff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I don't think the inner circle... It's it's for young boys right. and for kind of joking uh, that that old bastard is being a dick, or, you know. So it's either very serious for the young guys or kind of jokey for stuff for, for mates. But, right. um, yeah, it's not exactly, it's not a beacon of justice and democratic process, if that's what you're wondering. Yeah, I don't think I'm a fan of this wrestling court, if I'm honest. I'll, I'll be honest, I'm much happier that Hogan's trial is taking place in a court of law, yeah. as opposed to uh, <laughs> wrestling's court. As equipped, I'm sure the Undertaker would give a very fair sentence, you know, you know, Hulk Hogan has to get a case of beer from Gawker every week <laughs> for the rest of his life, you know, and promise not to release any more sex tapes. <laughs> So, Daniel Bryan, a.k.a. Bryan Danielson, a.k.a. my favourite wrestler. And I'll be honest, I've not been able to say that a lot recently. The last two years, I've not been kind of going, Daniel Bryan's my favourite wrestler. Because of all of his injuries and the fact that he was in and out, I was quite, like, not jaded, but kind of I'd put my feelings for D. Bryan to one side on a little shelf. I suppose it's a little sensitive, isn't it? It's kind of upsetting old wounds if as it were yeah it's kind of a reminder of that he wasn't really around and it's easy enough to ignore someone if they're not around like seth rollins obviously my my boy yeah he's not really around at the moment so i don't really feel like i can talk about him much yeah exactly it just bring up the old hurt and all that but with daniel bryan i mean i could just say straight away thank you to everyone for the insane quantity of matches that we were sent Mm -hmm. and i will say a number of things off the bat number one don't be upset if we've not done your favourite match because this is not meant to be a complete chronology of the best of Daniel Bryan. This is just so Joe can get a sense 
of Daniel Bryan. I'm sure we're going to get so many returns to Daniel Bryan absolutely, matches. Absolutely, absolutely. So many. Because uh, what what I'm trying to do now is when we're looking at matches, I'm trying to go at ones where Joe has seen the other wrestler because I find that it gives her kind of a much better idea of where that wrestler stands if it's with someone that she's more familiar with. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm trying to do that when we're putting together these match lists. So the more, obviously... Daniel Bryan's going to show up a lot because he's obviously going to have the best match with most of the people. If he has wrestled them, he'll probably appear there. So, starting off, we decided that the best place to start was having a little trip to uh, Ring of Honor, Daniel Bryan's uh, kind of old stomping grounds. Now, Bryan had been a wrestler. Literally, he graduated from high school and then he got in a car and he went to wrestling school. Wow. Shawn Michaels' wrestling school. So Where? is that something you have to pay for, or was he just? Oh yes. To, oh. <laughs> yeah. Now, depending on who you ask, Shawn Michaels. I mean, Shawn Michaels' wrestling skill. I mean, it's Shawn Michaels' his wrestling skill, so he paid a lot of money. And some people would say that you know Daniel Bryan didn't really like. He wasn't trained by Shawn Michaels as such. In the way that a lot of wrestling schools ran by famous wrestlers, you're not. Yeah, in that Shawn Michaels obviously his name was on the school, and he did you know had a part in his training, but by no means is Daniel Bryan like Shawn Michaels like protege. His, his protege or anything like that. I mean, someone who'd be much closer to fill that role would be William Regal, who was absolutely Daniel right. Bryan's like mentor and. You know, he gave him guidance and help throughout his career. Aww. So Brian actually, very, very young, was signed to a WWE developmental deal. And like, How did he manage that then? Just because he was really good. like, And Shawn Michaels, obviously, if you get his stamp of approval, he had a lot of sway with the company. I've often so. wondered, with wrestling schools ran by very famous wrestlers like Shawn Michaels or... Yeah. I can't think of any others, but I'm sure there are loads. Yeah, yeah. Do they have some kind of, like, graduate placement scheme where Not he goes straight to WWE fast track? But it's kind of like, if you look at, say, for instance, Lance Storm is a very famous, like, amazing wrestler. And if you come out of there, it's a pretty good stamp of approval. I mean, Tyler Breeze came from there. Emma came from there. Wow. So it's kind of like, it's almost as if, right, we know this guy trains wrestlers good. His word is good for it. Shawn Michaels wasn't known for, like, churning out loads of amazing wrestlers, but his name did count for a lot. So Brian actually did get signed to WWE developmental deal in like 2000 2001 maybe I could be wrong but he didn't ever he never made it onto main onto the main roster he was let go kind of shortly afterwards but he went on he really made a name for himself in Japan kind of developing this really distinct style with Daniel Bryan which is hard kicks mm. high intensity kind of almost like taking a lot of that Japanese style and taking it to a western audience so Brian really did make a name for himself then on the independent circuit in the, in the US because of he was this world traveller. He wrestled all over the world. He wrestled in Japan in front of like crowds of 70,000, 80,000 people. Wow. So when he's coming back then to wrestle in the small indies, he brought kind of a momentum with him and a reputation. He was known as, this is the coolest nickname ever, the American Dragon. Ooh. American Dragon. That sounds cool, isn't that it? That is cool. American Dragon. It does sound like it should be the name of like a very fancy cologne or a very amazing sports car. I don't quite see the dragon bit. The fire. That's it. He's got the fire oh, inside him. You okay, see? That's he cool. fires that's up. Cool. That's Daniel Bryan's thing. He's a fiery lad. Absolutely. Now, Daniel Bryan, of course, Ring of Honor, as we've probably dipped our toes into Ring of Honor a few times now, yeah. which has given us... Samoa Joe, yeah, CM Punk, yeah. Daniel Bryan, yeah. Ty- Tyler Black, a.k.a. Yeah. Seth Rollins. 
Sami Zayn. Yeah. Evan Owens. Yeah. Cesaro. Yeah. Oh my god, it says everyone I love. Yeah, and and Chris Hero, who Joe doesn't really know oh, that much of, but he's a hunk though. But he's a hunk. I know. He's like the most <laughs> handsome wrestler I've ever seen. So you got like you know hot <laughs> matches and hot bods. Yeah. That's what Ring of Honor is. It's a fucking stud farm. That's what. <laughs> it's they a, churn out those studs. Just young, sexy men wrestling great matches. It's the stud muffin factory. Absolutely. You know that's where they get all the the stud muffins from. So, I will say off the bat, we're probably going to get people who are upset that I have not shown Joe thousands of Ring of Honor matches. Now, this is just me trying to not apologize, but just to maybe put in perspective for you. Yeah, you. <laughs> You're the guy who's listening to this podcast who knows everything I'm going to say about Daniel Bryan already. But you probably like the tone of voice I'm going to say it in, so you're listening anyway. You should do it in an accent of an so impression. Let, so let me tell you something. <laughs> just do it in your voice. Um, now, here's the thing. You're never going to get your girlfriend or your loved one or your boyfriend or whoever to get into wrestling and appreciate your favourite technical wrestler by making them watch three or four one-hour matches in Ring of Honor. No, that's true. It's it's a sad fact. I'm really glad he didn't make me do that. Okay, you don't go and buy someone who's trying wine for the first time a £150 bottle of wine and then throw a hissy fit <laughs> that they can't appreciate it on the level that you can Baby steps, yeah? Mm-hmm. I know that Daniel Bryan has wrestled Samoa Joe, CM Punk, amazing wrestlers from... I mean, he's wrestled some guys from Japan in like matches where he's like lost his retina and whatnot. I know all of that stuff. I know his wars with Nigel McGuinness and all that, but we're not going to watch every single one of them and go through them all because, again, I think that it's, it's not, not the, the best way to get... I don't want Joe to get kind of scared away by these hour-long matches and whatnot. And I don't know, personally, if you find that that interesting yet. I'm sure I would, but I think if I watched them all back to back, they'd lose their potency. Yeah, absolutely. And they're not. I would hate for them to not have the right impre- leave the right impression on me, or have the impact. Yeah, kind of, you know. If I get you kind of used to that standard of like, oh well, all these matches are amazing. That's just what I'm used to now. Absolutely. I mean, and just so you know that as a result of that, we are doing feud episodes. We will be doing episodes with other people. If we've not done your favourite Daniel Bryan Ring of Honor match here, that's not to say that we'll never do it. We will. But again, this is just my... Because this one, you know, I, I, when we started this podcast, I thought, eh, maybe some people will introduce it to their, you know, to their significant other. Maybe not. But people really are doing it yeah. now. And I'm honestly shocked. I mean, I knew some people would, but we have a lot of people doing it. Yeah. So I'm just taking it aside to let you guys know that if you want to get someone into it, find the stuff that they like and kind of target it that way. And absolutely, that's what we've been doing here because the Ring of Honor match that we looked at was Daniel Bryan taking on Tyler Black. My boy! A.K.A. Seth Rollins. Also, I'm just going to say before we quickly address this match, you worked so hard to cut this down to a reasonable number of matches. I mean, yeah, I mean... We've watched a lot of matches and we wrote out notes for them that we're not covering in the episode because we just don't have time. And and again, it's, it's... We're not trying to make this like the definitive Daniel Bryan collection. It's to get a sense of the man and absolutely... There's extended viewing, which we'll, we'll mention some of those matches later on yeah. at the end. So if you do want to watch, see more of these, you know kind of where to go. I will say as well, though, Ring of Honor, seriously, guys, it's fucking hard to find your shit online, okay? It's really hard. So um, I, I think it, there should be easier access for Ring of Honor stuff as well. I don't see how people watch it. I mean, they put some stuff on their YouTube channel. They do have kind of a... Uh, an on-demand service as far as I know but as far as I'm concerned I, it's not it's not readily easily uh, for to, to get to yeah so I mean but anyway we decided to look at Daniel Bryan 
Back then, he was known as Brian Danielson. That's confusing and wacky. I mean, what that, they just swapped the names around. And it's handy. And I, I remember at the time when they changed his name to Daniel Bryan. Like that shit, man. <laughs> Brian Danielson, best in the world. Daniel Bryan. That's like they took his. You know what that's like? It's like they took his last name and they made it his first name. And then it's like they took his first name and they made it his last name. <laughs> I hate it. Just call him Brian. It's easy. <laughs> now, can you imagine anything other than... Like, does Daniel Bryan still seem witty? Because to me, no, Brian Danielson seems like such a mouthful. It does. And I can see kind of... Obviously, for copyright reasons, they want it to be Daniel Bryan. But I think... I think Daniel Bryan... It was a good man, choice, it's, I think. It was a good choice for them. And I remember, Daniel Bryan is easier to chant. Absolutely. Brian Danielson. <laughs> I mean, we're never going to hear Danielson. that. <laughs> <laughs> so this was 2008 when Brian was kind of quite a big star in Ring of Honor. I mean, he was a world champion... They almost like took it in turns. Like CM Punk was a champion for like a year. Samoa Joe was a champion for like a year. Brian was a champion for like a year. So all these kind of big names were holding the torch. And uh, this was kind of like a match that was almost like a passing of the torch to Tyler Black, who would then become the guy in Ring of Honor. So it was really cool to see this style of wrestling. These two guys who were wrestling at WrestleMania and stuff in recent memory in a small arena with small crowd in 4 by 3 That was and really cool. And they're small. They are. They're, they're, they're tiny little babies. Uh, is it just me or do they look noticeably smaller? Well, Seth slash Tyler Black, definitely. I mean, you can see pictures of him now. He's fucking he's huge. huge. He's muscular. I mean, even just since I started watching, he's gotten so big. Yeah. But definitely, compared to how he used to be, he used to be so tiny, so slim. And again, Brian Danielson, his he's fa- so small. Seth's face has changed as well. Yeah, That's his face not has just changed. Me. His nose has gotten smaller And somehow. he had his teeth as well. There was a gap there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah. I wonder if he's still got a bit of a gap. I mm. wonder if he's had slight braces or something, maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's because he's like doing that smile all the time on TV that it's just kind of corrected itself naturally. I mean, yeah, it's difficult to tell because faces obviously do change over time. Yeah, true. Naturally. So Brian Danielson here getting his chant at the start of this match, which is, you're going to get your fucking head kicked in. Is that how they were saying it? Yeah. No wonder I can understand it. I It's... I wonder sometimes, because Brian is great, like, but I mean, when people say, you're going to get your fucking head kicked in, he's going to kill you, he's going to kick your fucking head off. My goodness, he really did tap into the aggressive male wrestling fan there. See, that confused me so much when we were getting tweets and Facebook comments, because quite a few were just, you're going to get your fucking head kicked in. If you do this "Ah!" podcast, you're going to (laughs) die. And I still don't really understand. So people were chanting it at him? They're chanting at his opponent. Okay, so his opponent was going to get his head kicked in. Yes, assumedly by Brian or or other Does he forces. Does particularly kick heads? I mean, yeah, Brian, I mean, that was one of the big things about his style was that Brian was big on his kicks. Like, right. Big, strong kicks to the heads, you know, to the chest. That was Brian's kind of shtick. It seems really strange to me as what I know of Daniel Bryan having only watched you know a bit of wrestling mm. is he seems just so wholesome and lovely and he's that you know hairy vegan nice yeah. man with nice dogs and here's this incredibly aggressive you're gonna get your fucking head kicked in I mean you think of Ring of Honor is quite like ECW in that way and that it's a small crowd and it's a much more kind of rabid passionate fan base right and he really did kind of tap it I mean like with Samoa Joe as well people chanting Joe's gonna kill you that all yeah. kind of came from that kind of you know at the time of WWE, the wrestlers weren't like hitting hard. They weren't going going hard or doing strong style stuff. Whereas in 
Ring of Honor, they were, and that's kind of what the fans gathered around. It was like, yeah, our guys kick people in the fucking head, and they're going to get their head kicked in tonight, and that's going to be awesome. And that was kind of the selling point, almost, of Ring of Honor, was that kind of, that style that Brian really perfected by travelling all around the world and bringing right. it in. I mean, the influence that he had in Ring of Honor and then down the line into WWE, you can feel that, and it all comes from that kind of that aggressive style. Showing me this match, I think, is just cruel, because I've got my baby boy, my poor tiny child, Seth Rollins slash Tyler Black. Yeah. And he's looking so young, and he it's is. just a reminder that he's not well at the moment. He's not wrestling. He's not going to be in WrestleMania. It must have been sad as well to see your boy get put in all these horrible submission holes yeah. from Daniel Bryan. Now, Bryan in this match really was great to see was that the variety of submission moves that he was putting on. You know, huge different kinds of dragon sleepers, heel hooks, uh, Boston crabs. And he was even doing submissions that I couldn't tell you the name of. He was doing stuff like there's one where he like he put his arms behind his back as yeah. part of it. And I was just like, what is this move? What would you even call that? Like, it was incredible. It was kind of like a portfolio of his submission moves. Like, and I can do this submission move. And if you check over here, I can do this other <laughs> submission move. As you can see, I'm very skilled in the art of submission please do hire me for this vacancy. Also, I'm a team player, but also work really good on my own. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) References given at request. Absolutely. I mean, Brian here was really kind of, we got to see all the the great stuff about his style. He was kicking hard, he was flying through the ropes, and he was doing his submission moves, which was awesome. And I mean, I remember seeing, I saw Daniel Bryan, it actually would have been just a month before this. I saw him uh, in Texas when I was there for WrestleMania. And I'd heard, I'd seen some stuff on TV, and I'd heard the buzz about him. And honestly, after I saw him wrestle, I was just obsessed. I was absolutely obsessed wow. that someone so small could hit so hard, could fly. I mean, usually you're a striker, a grappler, or a high flyer. Yeah. And he was all three. Mm. Is there a name for that? Daniel Bryan that's I mean, that's it really wow. I mean a lot of other guys obviously are of that style I mean obviously Seth Rollins is of that style as well mm. but I just I mean think at the time it was not it was unlike anything I had seen and I was a, quite close to being a jaded wrestling fan in 2008 so I mean I credit Daniel Bryan really and the stuff he was doing Ring of Honor at the time of getting my interest in wrestling again of seeing really? this stuff that was out there you know and it's just quite fortunate that that stuff is the mainstream now as opposed to being in a little dark room in the yeah. side away from everyone shh don't look at that it's Ring of Honor shit it's enough for you it's is not that, for, for everyone is that kind of a bad thing in the way I mean obviously it's not a bad thing because it's great you're getting to see all this amazing wrestling all the time but does it ever feel less special um what feel less special that style of wrestling you the, mean? the style of wrestling that was appreciated as kind of like oh this is very you know very skillful this is special only you know excellent fans have heard of this yeah yeah well what i think is nice about it is that when that stuff kind of became mainstream it meant that there was you know space for other niches to develop and i mean like one of the things now say for instance is like lucha underground which even though i've not watched a lot of it is taking the niche of kind of the storytelling and the weirdness and the kind of the wackiness of wrestling kind of pushing it that in one direction so it's kind of nice to see that i mean there are still groups out there that are just doing the kind of the Ring of Honor, I mean, Ring of Honor doing it, where they're doing that that kind of style just kind of over and over again with the volume turned up a little bit. But I think when that stuff becomes the mainstream, it forces new niches to be made almost. And True. That's, that's what's nice to see, that wrestling is kind of 
developing in, in spite of that. So you don't get many wrestling fans saying, mm, I liked that style before it was cool. I'm sure there are wrestling hipsters out there. <laughs> I'm sure hipsters. there are. Oh, let's, when we sell t-shirts, they get a wrestling hipster t-shirt. Wrestling hipster. And it can just have your beard and glasses. I, I like Daniel Bryan when his names were switched I like, around. I liked wrestling before it was cool. <laughs> and it's just a picture of you. I like wrestling before you all watched it and ruined it <laughs> by liking it. <laughs> So some really, really, really cool moments in this match. Uh, some great big flips from Seth as well. Like he yeah. did a rope choke. He flipped you backwards. I loved it. As well as the Mexican surfboard, which looks so painful. The Mexican surfboard, which is the coolest submission in wrestling. I don't understand it. I mean, I first saw that move in No Mercy in WrestleMania 2000, the N64, because it was a move that was done in Japan and, and Mexico quite a bit, but not in the West. But Brian kind of was one of the wrestlers who could do it. I think it's the coolest move ever because if you see that move, that move needs two people to tango. You can't just put that on anyone. Yeah. Because obviously the person who's doing the move needs the strength to hold them up and the person who's getting the move needs the balance not to fall over. Google it if you've not seen it. It's it's a weird looking submission. Tyler Black here made it a, look so painful. Oh he my God. He made it look like actual torture. Now, what I love about it as well is that because of the requirements to both do and receive the move, it's basically like a secret handshake for the best wrestlers in the world. That's so cool. It's like the two guys come into the ring and they're kind of like, we're the best wrestlers in the world, aren't we? Do you want to do the Mexican surfboard stretch? Oh, go on then. Do you want to turn it into a dragon sleeper? Oh, okay, because we can, you know? As a new wrestling fan, it's very confusing to me, the Mexican surfboard, because it has so many iterations. Yeah, I know. Because I was kind of like, is that a Mexican surfboard? You're like, yep. Yeah. The normal is one is where they literally one? just hold you up over their head like that. But Brian takes it further where he like digs his fingers into your nose or like pulls your arms and your head back and grasps on or when he like lifts his legs up and stomps down on the ground so he stomps on your legs. There seems like 50 versions of it. Oh yeah, Bri- I mean, that's like, Brian took a move that was like viewed as being like kind of a technical wizards only and found a way to make it even more technically impressive because I remember I saw that move live I was like I, I literally came in my pants you know <laughs> literally. I was just like, yeah. you literally came literally in did, your I pants I had to go home and change get a new pair of pants it's really embarrassing very embarrassing did that develop any new fetishes no or, no, like, no 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 do you want me to do the Mexican surfboard for you in the bedroom <laughs> well I mean I did buy a Daniel Bryan t-shirt and I insist that Joe wears that Daniel Bryan t-shirt at all times <laughs> but I mean um, <laughs> Brian was just like you know He's doing submissions in this match as well, like where it's like no one else could do them. I mean, his finisher that he does, the cattle mutilation you see in this match. Oh, that was so cool. Where he digs his arms in, he kind of hooks for someone's arms and he flips over like that. Now that was a, I mean, that's my t-shirt says cattle mutilation. I love that t-shirt. I love that t-shirt. It's my favourite wrestling t-shirt. Because, number one, it makes me very easily spotable at the WrestleMania 25 Blu-ray. You can see me very clearly there, you know, with my giant yellow t-shirt. Yeah. Also as well, wearing that t-shirt around, because it's not an obvious wrestling t-shirt, I've gotten a lot of very interesting conversations because of it as well. Like, for instance, I remember walking across agricultural science in, in NUI Galway, where I used to go, and having a bunch of farmer scientists look at me, I'm wearing that t-shirt, as if to say, what are you saying about cattle? <laughs> What is that? What are you implying with that T-shirt? Another time, when I was in, in an airport in America, um, I was like, you know, check my bags in, and the security guard goes, "Sir, I just want to compliment you on that shirt that you're wearing, sir." I go, "Oh, cattle mutilation? Are you a wrestling fan?" He goes, "No, sir. I like cattle mutilation though because it refers to the inexplicable mutilation of livestock, possibly by alien life forms." Wow. Here's your boarding card. <laughs> 
Did you have a big gun as well? Because it's America. Yeah, but he had a big, he had a big badge and a, a, a look of childhood innocence in his eyes. I remember you wore that quite early on in one of our dates that we had early on in our relationship. And I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Even though I didn't know I was a wrestling. This is before I even knew you were a wrestling fan. You just thought I was somebody who fucking hated cows. (laughs) I I thought maybe it was a band I hadn't heard of. Calumulation does sound like kind of a thrash metal band. Let's do it. That only Stuart Lee knows about or something like that. (laughs) So Cattle Mutilation then. Obviously that's not a move he does now. Yeah. Or he didn't do it in WWE you mean. Well, I've only seen him do it in this match. I mean, I don't know. Does he? Has he not done it ever in WWE? He's done it once or twice in WWE, but he right. was totally wasn't allowed to do it as his finisher in WWE because uh, it obscures his face. Because of the way he flips over, you can't see his face. Why does that matter? Um, because you can't see his face or the opponent's face for TV production reasons. WWE, if you are going to do a submission move as a finisher, you need to see the facial expressions. Because we think about it, when someone's in a submission move on a WWE show. Camera zooms in on the face. Look at the agony on his face. Ah, he's trying to reach for the ropes. Ah. Look at him crank on a tap out, you son of a bitch. You know, that the story is told <laughs> through the face. Right. And obviously the fans at home aren't just going to go, oh, that looks sore. They need to see it. Right. So even though calculation is an awesome move in terms of conveying facially that it's an excruciating maneuver, it's, it doesn't work. And for the fans at home, they need to see that. So that's why you have to do a different move. Well, at least it means now you've got an incredibly kind of niche, cool, rare t-shirt yeah. with a move that, you know, isn't even done anymore. He did, he, he pulled it out once in a match and like the nerd commentator at the time, Matt Stringer, went, he went, kettle mutilation! And Michael <laughs> Cole was like, the fuck are you talking about? Shut up and sit down. Shh. No. Be quiet. <laughs> Brian does his trademark suicide dive which i kept an eye out for a lot during these matches mainly because he mentioned specifically in his retirement speech how it's his favorite thing to do that it makes him feel like superman and he dives through the ropes onto seth and he goes fucking flying into the crowd crowd. as well that's awesome but my favorite thing about that wasn't that he went into the crowd it was that he vanished in the crowd for a second you're like oh shit where is he has he hurt someone is he okay and then out of the crowd he comes fist first and goes yeah and it's so victorious and cool he he carries victory very well yeah like, he carries a lot of emotions well I, his facial expressions even in this match I mean that's something which a lot of Ring of Honor guys struggled with um, right. Nigel McGuinness is another Ring of Honor guy and he didn't have those facials and it really impacted on his, his career. Well, Seth Rollins, he definitely didn't use oh, to. Oh, absolutely He's not. He's improved massively. But just Brian, when he does that thing where he flares his nostrils and he starts yeah. going, he is a, he's hulking up. That's all he's doing. But yeah. it looks like he's a guy who's about to fucking explode. You know, it looks, he makes hulking up seem legit. Yeah. Not cartoonish, even no. though he is pumping up his arms and making a face but it's just because you can feel that emotion it's not it, it's not silly it's Daniel Bryan you yeah. know I, I like to think that it's not just me going oh it's different because it's Daniel Bryan but... I think it's different because he's not big yeah I don't think he could pull it off if he was a huge guy That's like true, Hulk yeah. Hogan because it's like so what you're hulking up you're fucking huge you're Daniel already Bryan, fucking hulked up it's kind of like in, you're, you're telling yourself that he has to compensate somehow <laughs> mate you were hulking up in the fucking backstage room with that <laughs> big bag of needles before the match That's you hulking up <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, Brian, I think as well, not just the, the, the intensity and the facials, but the noises he makes. Oh, yeah. His grunts when he's kicking. Ah, yeah. I did love this was a great match for grunts because oh, Tyler Black very is grunty. very grunty as well. Two very grunty boys mm. in this match. Absolutely. The last six minutes of this match were just nonstop, insane pace, hard hitting and high flying. 
there are three things that WWE was not at the time. And I remember just at this time seeing this kind of thing and being like, holy shit, he dove through the ropes, he, you know, he kicked him in the head, he put him in the submission, he kicked out and put him in another submission, he grabbed him and put him in, a, in another submission. And it's not just like, move, 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 spot, spot. It's like, it all flows. There's like a game of chess almost you're feeling yeah. like where some guy's trying to do. I remember seeing that stuff and then trying to watch Randy Orton versus Triple H in the main event of WrestleMania, sitting and watching hundreds if not thousands of people trying to beat the traffic in the main event of WrestleMania and Aww. thinking, this isn't surely the same medium I'm watching, you know? The last six minutes of this match just kind of epitomize where wrestling was going and it was going there because of people like Daniel Bryan. And he ends up winning the match by catching Seth out of nowhere and putting him into a submission move, and Seth taps out. It wasn't his finisher that he put him in, it was just a submission. That really confused me, because it just seemed, out of all of the submission moves that he did, and he did a lot, like yeah. I said, it was like a portfolio of submission moves. Like a little catalogue. An Argos catalogue <laughs> of submission moves. A laminated book of yeah. submissions. Oh, I think I'll have that submission move for today. <laughs> but instead, it was just a standard one. In Ring of Honor, there was more of a, an idea that, because someone's a submission wrestler, kind of like almost like UFC, that he can get you with any submission, and that any submission, if he has targeted a limb, and in this match, he was working on the leg, and it's just he got him in another leg submission, so he won. But in WWE, it's not like that. In WWE, you have to put on your finisher submission to make someone tap out. Yeah. It's very rare, if ever, that anyone taps out to anything other than a finisher submission. Which is quite funny, because then you'll have guys like, say, like a Jack Swagger, who's like working over someone's back or neck for the whole match, and then he puts on his ankle lock finisher. <laughs> and they're like, ah, tap, 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 you know? <laughs> so Brian here, he was working the legs, so he put him in a leg submission, and that's what ended the match, because right. he's a submission specialist. So it was nice to see that in Ring of Honor that his gimmick was kind of almost more complete. Yeah. Because he could, he was a submission specialist and he was actually allowed to <laughs> end matches with any <laughs> submission. So Brian found himself with WWE coming and knocking then. Very, very sad kind of set of affairs. There's a movie called The Wrestling Road Diaries that Cole Cabana did, which is him and Daniel Bryan and a friend of theirs going on this kind of road trip with Daniel Bryan's last few indie dates before going to WWE. And it was a rocky road because literally weeks before Daniel Bryan's meant to debut in WWE, he's getting uh, stuff back from their doctors saying there's a problem with your blood work, problem with like your know, liver enzymes. He had all these like issues with his health. Even that early on. Even that early on, and like in the documentary, he reveals like that he had even as a young child. You know, he was a, he was a sick kid. Oh dear. You know, he's a small guy. He was like the guy who he missed like months of school because of sickness. He was in and out of hospital. And it felt like that was something that followed him his whole career. Mm. And I was like, when he debuted in WWE, I was like, I was fucking through the roof. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I was so excited. But it was only actually seeing that movie, I was like, God, like nothing was for granted. He was considered to be the best wrestler in the world. And he was this close to not being hired on medical reasons. Wow. And at the same time, there was another wrestler from Ring of Honor uh, called Nigel McGuinness, who was also meant to be going to WWE. And he was rejected because his medical tests didn't come oh, back. So right. you are too sick. You, 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 we can't in good conscience that you wrestle a full schedule because you might get injured and we couldn't have that. Right. So it's just sad to see like the Brian. It was his whole career really that he had that kind of specter of injury and you know problems. And it's not because he was clumsy or because he was not safe. It was just because you know he had issues and that's kind of that was kind of shitty for him really. That's sad, but I suppose at least. It, maybe it's better in some respects that it didn't come up as a surprise for him when he was... I mean, it would have been obviously a bit of a surprise when he was finally yeah. had to retire. But I suppose at least he could mentally prepare himself. Yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean, 
the thought of having to retire because of injury or, or medical reasons was probably run through his head at least 10 times throughout yeah. the course of his career. So when he debuts in WWE, he doesn't debut in the way you would have thought, which is, you know, big star like that comes onto the main roster, kicks some ass. Like CM Punk had come like a couple of years previously and had debuted on like uh, their ECW show and was kind of on the main roster at that point and even won the world championship. So yeah. everyone expected that Brian would do the same. Even though Brian was obviously quite small, didn't maybe have as unique a look as CM Punk. Because, mm. I mean, if I was just to show you a picture of regular Daniel Bryan without a beard, short hair. Well, you hair, did. When when he first started showing me wrestling and you showed me who your favourite wrestler was, I was like, oh. <laughs> so would you say, I mean, what would you say he looks like then? I mean, well, do you want me to say what I think he looks like now? Yeah, yeah. Or what I thought he looked like when I didn't know anything about him? Because those are very him, different opinions. So, I mean, like... Clean-shaven, young Daniel Bryan before he had the beard or anything like that. The way he appeared here in this uh, NXT match we're going to watch. I mean, how did you view him looking? I mean, because people thought, and the WWE thought that he looked generic. When I first, first saw him, and I'm talking, this is a year ago at yeah. least, I thought he was really generic looking. I didn't, I thought he just basically looked the same as all other wrestlers, only small. Yeah. I was like, okay, so what? He's a, he's a bit funny looking. He's got kind of big teeth and a big nose. and a Funny big... looking how? Oh, just in a general kind of way. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's kind of, he's not a beauty. Yeah. He's not ugly by any means. He's yeah. just kind of funny looking. Not not the, the, the kind of the chiseled features. No, exactly. That you expect of WWE superstars. Yeah, like Vince McMahon ain't having a wank over Daniel Bryan. Like. No, not like he would over Randy Orton. Put on the Roman Reigns mask like I asked. <laughs> I'm going to get off otherwise, huh? But now, now I've seen more Daniel Bryan. Now I look back at him as a young lad and I think he's one of the most handsome men I've ever seen. It's just interesting to see that, uh, that first impression when you see Bryan just kind of go, Really? Like, yeah. he's a wrestler? And they played off that massively when he was brought in to WWE in 2010. He was brought into NXT. Now, what you know NXT is, as what, what would you describe NXT as? It's awesome. It's where wrestlers come to be born. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's where that's, everyone good lives. That's beautiful. That's what Thank that is. you. Thank you. NXT in its original form was a hybrid reality show where they never huh? quite explained the rules where 10 rookie wrestlers who had been in developmental for forever, it would seem, were paired with 10 WWE pros, people from the main roster, to mentor them. So is this, like, tough enough, then? It was, like, tough enough, except it was in an actual wrestling arena full of fans who had come to see wrestling. So it's tough enough, but sillier. Kind of. more of a reality show. I mean, it was less of a reality show in the sense that we didn't follow around outside of the arena. It was kind of, like, within the confines of the arena and the backstage area. So it was kind of like a regular wrestling show in that sense. What made it different was that the rookies were meant to get points depending on how well they did in matches, votes from the audience, votes from the judges, and also taking part in challenges. Was it scripted? No. The idea was that they wanted to put these guys out of their comfort zone. And okay. guys who came through there, you're like Heath Slater, Ryback came through there. Ryback came Naomi, from it. Sorry, AJ. sorry, backtrack. Ryback came from NXT. Yeah, but that's not the NXT that you know. It's this weird NXT. God. I know, very strange. And again, these challenges they had to do was like obstacle courses. You know, they had to do one where they had to like drink a soda as fast as they could. What? And Brian had never drank soda in his life because he's a fucking like, you know, vegan or whatever. And he's there like kind of a g- gagging on this big soda that's bigger than his fucking head. He's never drank soda. Yeah, he's not like, he, didn't, he wasn't used to drinking soda like yeah. all the other guys were. And there was another one where they had to like sell programs in the in the crowd and Brian just threw all his in the air and went, down with capitalism. <laughs> I love him. <laughs> 
So Brian was paired up with his mentor and very much annoying for the wrestling fans of the time. We're like, yeah, Daniel Bryan. One of the mentors was going to be William Regal. So Ooh. we thought, shit, Brian and William Regal on TV as a mentor and a protege. And William Regal, am I right in thinking Daniel Bryan really looked up to him his whole childhood? Absolutely. He was like his favourite wrestler. Well, not his childhood maybe per se, but like, I mean, you know, he, he was his favourite wrestler. He was someone he learned oh, from. Oh, I see, and he right. And style after a lot as well. So yeah, Brian actually didn't get William Regal. Uh, Ryback got William Regal. <laughs> what? Guess who Daniel Bryan got as his mentor? It was The Miz. Poor Daniel Bryan. And straight away, everyone in the arms was like, how dare they put him with The Miz? That's terrible. And I remember at the time being kind of like, oh, that's fucking annoying. But then straight away kind of getting it. Right. Because here's The Miz, who's been in wrestling for four or five years in total, meant to be a mentor to Daniel Bryan, who's like a 12-year veteran at this point. And Miz is like, you need to be a star, Daniel. You're not a star. And Daniel's like, I'm an amazing wrestler. He's like, you're not a star, though. Where's your catchphrase? <laughs> and he would beat him up for not having a catchphrase or not being charismatic enough. Like, wow. And uh, that was like the story on NXT. And then Michael Cole, the commentator as well, became a heel. And he's like, everyone on Twitter and Facebook is going on about how this Daniel Bryan's a great wrestler. He's a nerd. Look at him. He's, 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 he's a tiny... He's just a bunch of nerds saying that he's great. He's not a star. The Miz is right. Daniel Bryan is 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 rubbish. Wow. And then you like that's how you started to build the like, people were like, Oh, they're burying Daniel Bryan. But honestly, it made people like me and a lot of other fans kind of rally behind him. It was like, fuck it, everyone's shitting on him. The office don't want him to be a star. They gave him the me like we were being worked. Yeah. That's what it was. And uh, the next match we watched was from the first episode of, of NXT. Which is Daniel Bryan taking on Chris Jericho. That was the first episode. First episode of NXT. Ever. Yeah, ever. Wow. Yeah. So uh, it was very weird to see NXT, how much it's changed. Other than the font for the logo, yeah. nothing is the same. <laughs> he's tiny. He is. He's so little. He's barely past the top rope. It's really... And it's funny because, as well, he's not only tiny, but he's quieter. Yeah. Then, I mean, you've got the Miz is there kind of like... Bah, 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 and then Daniel Bryan's like, well, let me tell you something. Mm. And he's quite soft-spoken here. It's so interesting to see how much he changed in WWE. As he starts off as this soft-spoken, dangerous character who becomes completely different. <laughs> and it's really interesting as well hearing Michael Cole on commentary burying things like Twitter. Yeah. It's like, all you nerds on Twitter. Like, Michael Cole, how many times have you said the word Twitter on the last episode <laughs> of Raw Alone? Like, I mean, I know it's six years ago, but he really turned around on that, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> what was really weird was Wade Barrett. Yes. Jericho's protege in the background there and he looks like Julian from Trailer Park Boys <laughs> <laughs> like he's proper got, greasy he's got the greasy hair he's got the chain kind of sexy looking yeah. you know <laughs> you see this my protege walk around here he's around 6 foot 8 kind of sexy looking wearing a black shirt like you know <laughs> I don't know if that makes Jericho Jim Leahy or not, but oh, um, but yeah, you've got Wade Barrett there, you know, being the protege. Jericho, what I love most at the start of this match is that Brian puts his hand out to shake mm. because in Ring of Honor there is the code of honor: you shake hands with your opponent at the start. So Brian is thinking, right, Jericho, he's a world traveler wrestler. He obviously gets it. You know, he's been to Japan and Mexico and around the world like me, and he puts his hand out to shake Chris Jericho's hand, and Jericho just looks at him like he's just pissed on his mother's grave and he just walks straight over and just boom hits him like i love that so much that dick i just kind of what i loved about it was that kind of like i i got so invested in this because it felt that nothing was certain that even though they were doing all this it's like if daniel bryan was fired the next day that there would have been no great loss to to vince and them they wouldn't have been like damn it we lost daniel bryan they were just doing this because mm. they knew it was a good story it wasn't as if 
Daniel Bryan's going to be a star. This was still very much Bryan having to prove himself. Here. Yeah. And he does so a lot in this match. Considering this is his first match in WWE, he pulls out all the stops. He did a suicide dive out of the ring. And it looks like he genuinely hurt himself on his side. Jericho kind of like catches him and like flings him into the announce table. And Brian like gets the corner of the announce table right on his kidneys. Horrid. Oh, did you see the colour? cut afterwards. It looked like he had a gash there. He had a big, deep purple bruise and Mm. then it was bleeding as well. It looked like the worst, most painful thing that you could get. And then when Brian starts doing his pumping up thing and starts getting in the zone and he's holding on to his side it's like he could feel his pain yeah such great selling from Brian throughout this Jericho got him in a really painful looking walls of Jericho I don't know if that's how you say it if it's a plural or whatever walls of Jericho into the walls of Jericho and I'm not normally a big fan of that move we've addressed that before yeah but it looked so painful when he did it on Daniel Bryan oh yeah because when he did it on Daniel Bryan he did the old version of the Walls of Jericho, which is what he used to do in WCW, because Jericho used to wrestle the light heavyweights, the smaller guys, kind of guys around like Rey Mysterio or Callisto's height. And because Jericho was bigger than them, he was kind of like the bully of the cruiserweights, and he would do this horrible move, and he would put his knee down on the back, and it was a really excruciating maneuver. But once he got to the main roster in WWE, you know, you got Kane, Big Show, big guys, you couldn't put that move on, so he just started doing it as the regular bend the legs. Yeah, but here, because Brian is small, yeah. he can put him in the, the proper version of it. And you've got Cole going, look at it, look at the knee in the back of his head, look at the knee, yeah, make him tap out. Like. And you've got Brian squirming around, looking like he's in agony. And Brian loses. He he taps out to the walls of Jericho. He has a few moments of kind of of, of brief flurries. Like Jericho makes him look like a million dollars. There's a point where he gets Jericho and randomly in this like heel hook submission. And Jericho looks like his legs are about to be ripped off with sock. And he's like, Bleh! and I thought, oh my God, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And at the end of the match, Jericho wins. Brian's there lying down completely knocked out. And the commentator is telling everyone how shit Daniel Bryan is. And then the Miz comes in and starts beating him up. Aww. And that's how the first episode of NXT ended. I'm returning off that TV show and for a moment going, I don't think I've been this upset about what's happened to a wrestler in like maybe 10, 12 years. Wow. And then after that, for a moment, I was like, you know what, actually, I don't think I've been this emotionally invested in a WWE storyline for the last... 10 or 20 you know, 10 or 12 years for one match and again because like... it's just like you could tell what the story was going to be and Brian went like three months in NXT without winning a match oh. he lost every single fucking week did he lose fair and square or was it kind of screwy finishes and stuff sometimes it was fair and square sometimes it was like Brian's been like, they did a thing where he, he wrestled more than anyone else so he was like sore and beat up and he had to go and like wrestle like main roster guys there were a few times where he just lost randomly where it made no sense mm. but I mean like for instance around this time he fought Batista on Raw even though Brian is just the NXT rookie and Batista was meant to kill him in like a minute but Batista decided because you know, he thought it would be for a better match to like have like a three or four minute match where Brian had one or two moments and there's usually one or two moments where it looks like he might actually have a chance of not being killed by Batista and he still got killed mm. but it's just like he had this real underdog story where if someone was being consistently beaten for so long and these little glimmers of hope were so <laughs> few and far between. It was really horrible as well as that when it looked like Brian was about to gain some momentum and all the guys from NXT were going to go into the main roster. They did this invasion where all the NXT rookies 
formed a super group called the Nexus and they're going to beat everyone up and fuck everything up. The Nexus. The Nexus. I can't believe I've never heard of the Nexus. Yeah, there's probably a reason for that. how badly that must have gone. Yeah, <laughs> I look at all the wonders it did for all the people in the Nexus. We, we, how to Nexus, maybe if someone requests it on Patreon. <laughs> but the Nexus beat everyone up on their first night. They ripped apart the ring, they beat up the announcers, they beat up the commentators. And during this point, Brian, he went over to Justin Roberts, who was the ring announcer... And he got his tie, wrapped it around his neck, and pulled it back like he was choking. And Justin Roberts went, and Daniel Bryan went backstage, and the next day he was fired. Because WWE had just signed a sponsorship deal with Mattel, who were very, very adamant that the show had to be PG. So even though Daniel Bryan and the Nexus were told, go out there and fuck shit up, Bryan's fucking of shit up was not PG. And he was fired. That's not very fair. I mean, they should have told them if they were this new sponsorship contract and they yeah. had certain limitations. And again, it was just, you know, it was he was a victim of circumstance, essentially. So we had a few months where Brian was gone and he went back to the Indies. Oh, jeez. And I remember being so sad because I think that he had, like, he had, like, four or five months in WWE TV just losing and then he got fired. Mm. <laughs> the one nice moment of it, though, was that there was a great image. It was, like, him at this, like, Tiny little indie show, 100 fans there maybe. And he's standing there in the middle of the ring. You know, usually in Ring of Honor, they throw the, the ticker tape into the ring. You know, the the, the, the bunting and stuff yeah. like that. Everyone in the arena threw a tie into the ring. So you got Daniel oh. Bryan standing there with his hands in the air and a million ties coming in. I remember it was like, he released a t-shirt at the time. He was like, look, can you buy this t-shirt so I have money to go and make all these dates because I just want to wrestle. And I remember buying that t-shirt and being like, yes, I'm supporting Daniel Bryan. <laughs> Which t-shirt was that? It's the one that is like, it's him like the Obama kind of thing. Oh, it says violent because yeah. he was fired for being too violent. And again, it like the story of Brian's career, it was like adversity, shit going wrong that made his fan base, which was constantly getting bigger, become more loyal. And Brian finally came back then. His star started rising really, really quickly. I always wonder when we're doing these episodes, especially when it's someone as important as Daniel Bryan or John Cena or someone, just like, what if... He, after he'd been fired, never went on back to wrestling again. What if that was it for him? Ugh. What if that was it? If that was it and he never went back to WWE but kept on no, wrestling. No, no, no. What if he just got injured and that was it? That was his career. Jesus Christ. There have been wrestlers I mean, that's yeah, happened to where exactly. it's been like, like Magnum TA is a wrestler. He was like, got to be the next star. Got to be the next like Ric Flair in the 80s. Motorcycle crash, injured, the end. It's so sad to think about, but it's like, it's not exactly uncommon. No, it happens. And it's certainly not impossible to have happened, yeah. Oh, no, be thankful for every fucking year of Daniel Bryan you got to see wrestle. Like, particularly on a main stage with high production values. Yeah. You know, with fucking, you know, quality writing behind them at times. You know, yeah, we were very fortunate to get what we got. Yeah, and it's like, I think it's especially important to to keep that in mind, seeing as he was sick all that time. Yeah, absolutely. And Bryan, like, when he came back, though, the momentum was there. Like, they brought him back for, like, it was like Team WWE versus The Nexus, and John Cena had a mystery partner, and it was Daniel Bryan. And I remember, like, you know, it was kind of stand up out of the couch, knock over the pizza, grab your friend, go, <laughs> you know? If only there was an emoticon for what I was feeling at that time, I would have tweeted the shit out of it. So Brian, like, his star rose kind of steadily up through the mid-card. Like, he, he fought the Miz, he bet Miz for the US belt. You know, he started gaining momentum. He won money in the bank. He yeah. cashed in money in the bank, became world champion. Oh, my God. And as soon as he became world champion, Brian started to become a heel. Because Brian was paired with AJ. You know, uh, you do AJ, the women's wrestler? She yeah, I follow her on Twitter. And I know she is married to CM Punk. 
She left literally the month you started watching wrestling. Really? Yeah. I just assumed she'd been gone for a while. The WrestleMania 31 was like her, her last kind of, oh my God. kind of big thing. And then she was gone. So. All I know about her is she skips around. And as far as I know, she was a big heel. Uh, fun fact as well. Uh, if you start singing her theme song around near Adam Bibolo, he will sing it for the rest of the day. Just so, just so you know. <laughs> Fans at home, if you ever meet Adam, just start going, la it up la it up la 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 he will, he will ruin his day. It will get stuck in his head. But Brian <laughs> had an on-screen girlfriend of AJ, and AJ at the time was very much like the sweet girl next door. Brian wins the championship, and the storyline becomes that he is just this fucking dick. And there's a great video which I showed Joe, which is Daniel Bryan doing the Dennis system when it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> so messed <laughs> Where up. Where he, you know, demonstrates his value. He neglects her emotionally. He maintains <laughs> distance. And then he separates entirely and all that. He is, like, so horrible. Like, And it wasn't like he turned around and was like, I hate you people. He was just like, I'm the champion. Yes. Yes. He started chanting yes to be obnoxious. So he started that originally as a heel yeah. catchphrase there was a UFC fighter who Brian had seen and he would come out and he had this intense look in his eyes he just kept going to himself yes 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 and Brian thought it was the most obnoxious fucking annoying thing ever so Brian wins the title you know in a fluky manner money in the bank keeps keeping the title in a fluky manner like he defended against the big show and he only kept the title because he hid behind AJ and big show tried to run and get Brian and accidentally squashed AJ oh no and then AJ's been taken away on a, on a gurney and Daniel oh. Bryan's like she's a hundred pounds you're a big freak you should never be in wrestling you're too big and the big show was like ah. did he actually cry oh yeah show was oh, crying no. so Brian was just this absolute dick like AJ was <laughs> in the ring and was like actually Daniel I think shut up AJ anyway and everyone's like boo <laughs> That's so um, Brian was like, yeah, he'd started doing yes as a heel. And his big defense was going to be against Sheamus at WrestleMania 28, 2012. Brian, who the year before had his WrestleMania match bumped because of time constraints. This year, he was going to defend the championship against the Royal Rumble winner. And we were all psyched up. And you could tell that even though Daniel Bryan was a heel... You know, like when heels become really entertaining, people just get behind them. Like the New Day. Like the New Day, and they people recognise quality. Yeah. So Daniel Bryan, we're watching here now, the next match is, uh, next match, I use that term loosely, is against Sheamus at WrestleMania 28, and Bryan comes out, and you can see straight away, this whole yes business is uh, quite catchy. Yeah, the audience seemed to love it. There's like a million yes signs in the front crowd, and he's like, he's meant to be the bad guy. I wouldn't here. have known he was meant to be heel if he hadn't told me. No, other than the fact that he's got kind of a nasty look on his face. Yeah. And uh, the crowd says that, uh, you know, the, the announcers say that he's a bit of a dick. Other than that, the crowd fucking love him. They cheer yeah. more than Seamus. No surprise. So the match starts, the bell rings, and Brian goes over, and AJ gives, gives her a little kiss. And then he turns around, and he gets kicked in the face, and the match is over. Yep. I re- this was the opening match of WrestleMania, by the way, folks. Aww. Me, Adam, and Billy, we just started doing the Outdoor Podcast around this time. We're all like, yeah, wrestling. We all went to the pub to watch wrestling. Let's all stay up late and watch wrestling. And there's not quite a sight until you've seen a hundred you know, young adult men sitting in a room all get their hearts broken and just go, I don't even watch it anymore. Because it was what we wanted to see Daniel Bryan and he lost 18 seconds. And I kept waiting for there to be kind of like a bit of man to go, hang on a second. Or someone <laughs> to come out. I was praying for someone to come out and explain this madness. It's like Game of Thrones where Ned Stark gets his head chopped off and you're kind of like thinking, 
Could that really be real? I'm waiting for Vincent Mann to come and go, hang on a second, Ned Stark, put that head back on his goddamn shoulders. <laughs> but no, sadly, there was no such, it was exactly like that. It was just like, what? No. When am I going to wake up from this horrible nightmare? It was bleak. Yeah. It was horrible. All the fans were there to see Daniel Bryan. The next night on Raw, they're all chanting yes the whole night. Bryan was not featured at all. And this was like really horrible because the feeling amongst the fans then was that Daniel Bryan was being buried <laughs> of by course, the Of Because that's the fans' instant reaction to anything. I mean... I remember at the time going, go, well, he's not being buried because he was champion and he's feuding for the belt. But it certainly did kind of say... It's weird. It did make it look as if kind of, look, there are people who are up here and then there's you, Daniel Bryan. Mm. And that did actually flow into his eventual main event rise properly later on with the whole, you're a B-plus player. Right. But it didn't really feel like they were saying that, look, Daniel Bryan is not there to be the guy. He's there to do things like lose to Sheamus in 18 seconds. Mm. Deal with it, you know? So what happened there? Why on earth is it so short? Time constraints was one of them. So why cut that one? I think it's because, again, Daniel Bryan was lower on the totem pole. Much lower on the totem pole. Wow. That's just the way it was. And it's really horrible. Now, some would have you believe that this was like a master plan to really build up grassroots support for Daniel Bryan. I just don't understand. I'm here such support from the audience. You can see it immediately. Yeah. All There's like loads of signs in the mm. crowd. Yes signs, yes chants. Yeah. Surely it's obvious to the management how popular, how over he is. Well, when they're telling the story on the, on the eventual network documentary, they're going to act like, oh, oh we yeah. had this amazing plan, which was <laughs> nothing to do with time constraints or the fact that I viewed him as being <laughs> less important than Seamus. But, you know, that, I mean, that's just the way it was. But couldn't they have just cut it to something a bit shorter rather than literally 18 seconds? Yeah, it's just what it was, 18 seconds. Wow. The the only positive out of this was the fact that over the next few weeks you got some amazing stuff from Brian then where he was sick and angry and fucking gone mad. Yeah. Brian as a character lost his mind. We watched uh, the segment where he breaks up with AJ. Oh, it's horrid. Woo! Oh, I had to tell setting. Joe, I was like, Joe, just so you know, there's a bit coming up here where you might get a bit scared of Daniel Bryan. Yeah. <laughs> where he's like, get out of the ring! <laughs> AJ is fantastic and yeah. Daniel Bryan is fantastic and wow what a power couple seriously absolutely no, yeah. their whole story together On, I mean we're not going to go into every bit of it but like I mean there's a part where Daniel Bryan gets left at the altar by AJ oh god and you've not lived until you've seen little angry Daniel Bryan in his snow white tuxedo going no on his <laughs> wedding day no and that yes is becoming a thing and when I really thought that it was like them kind of trying to squash it was when Daniel Bryan started doing this thing where it's like, I hate that these bands are chanting yes. They're mocking me. And AJ's like, look, everyone's got yes signs. No, I hate yes. So I'm going to say... <laughs> no, I hate yes. I hate yes. So I'm going to chant no. <laughs> There's a video which uh, we posted on HowToWrestling.com and up on the Facebook and Twitter, which is Daniel Bryan says no to the WWE Universe, which is where he debuts <laughs> his new catchphrase, which is instead of yes with his hands in the air, it's no with his no. hands going across like that. Mm. Brian was battling a uh, soy intolerance and allergy at the time, so he's very sick. Looks like he's about to have a brain aneurysm. Yeah. He's got this big fucking throbbing vein going, no, no. So different when he compared that to his first ever appearance on NXT. <laughs> I remember turning to like, like Adam and Billy at the time and kind of like, well, they've finally done it. 
they broke my favorite wrestler. <laughs> they made him go mad, like, you know? Next match which we watched, which was really kind of showcasing Brian's rising star, was him taking on CM Punk at Over the Limit 2012 for the WWE Championship. Uh, something of a dream match for indie fans of the time. I bet. I mean, this is something which people, like, clamored for in Ring of Honor, and the fact that it was main eventing a WWE pay-per-view was, was almost weird. Like, yeah? It was surreal to see two small guys... Smaller guys, I should say, wrestling for the WWE Championship. They're both guys you would people would be like, oh, Vince hates those kinds of guys. They'll never be in the main event. And yet, here they were. It's not Brian on his own, but I think Brian definitely helped change those ideas that a main event for a championship has to have at least one guy who's seven foot or right. you know weighs three hundred pounds or whatever like that is. I loved his little special yes jacket. Oh, it's very nice, his jacket, isn't it? It's very, mm, very snazzy indeed. Custom. And I think as well, this is my first CM Punk match. I think so as well. I can't think of ever seeing him wrestle before. Here's the, the, the main question then. Is CM Punk a hanso? Oh, he's very handsy, but only in certain points of his career. His hair changes quite a lot, doesn't yeah. it? So here, here he's got the slick back hair. Here I think he's handsome. Yeah, it's a good look. It's a good look. Absolutely. Maybe lip ring and dyed black shoulder length hair. Mm, no Not thanks. as much. Um, incredible sequences to start in this match. Uh, Punk does the curb stomp at one point, which is he sets him up for the surfboard, but then kicks the back of his head. And you see a lot of moves in this match. Again, the, the secret handshake, the Mexican surfboard stuff. Yeah. Which most fans had never seen before. And I'm, fans who had seen it before were popping huge because, hey, you can only see that in Ring of Honor. Now it's in WWE. OMG, you know? Am I right thinking CM Punk has a Pepsi tattoo? He does, yes. Um, in, once, in an attempt to get Sam into wrestling when he wasn't having any of it <laughs> and was convinced, con- was... was, was very much telling us that it was horrible and crap and terrible. Um, which we, it is. Which we tried to lure him in by going, look, there's a Pepsi wrestler over there. He's got a <laughs> it's tattoo. It's your favourite. Yeah, he likes Pepsi. You like Pepsi. Can you watch wrestling and give it a chance? Yeah. Did it work? Um, not in that instance, but he did come around to it in the end, obviously. That's good. But the, yeah, CM Punk does have a Pepsi tattoo. Why? Because CM Punk is straight edge. He doesn't drink or smoke. And all of his friends or people he knew at the time were getting tattoos of beer companies and stuff so he in a defiant act got one of uh, Pepsi, Pepsi over Coca-Cola he likes Pepsi that's right. that's an important point there is CM Punk does really like Pepsi he does okay. yes he does like Pepsi enough to get it tattooed on his body wow so there does you know. Sam Chaplin like Pepsi enough to get it tattooed onto his body probably not I'm just saying if he did get a tattoo that would be a great Pepsi swirl how's it feel how many gloves <laughs> is that to have a tattoo of, of, of CM Punk and then so. the removal when he quits Pepsi next zero gloves like you know <laughs> Booker T, this is great. We're watching this match. Booker T, who's on commentary, okay, taking a break from saying that all women hate each other, mm-hmm. called a, a move incorrectly. He called a move a float over suplex, which Joe correctly pointed out was actually the perfect plex. Mm-hmm. And my heart grew heavy with love because Aww. if you want to think, oh, what's only, what's anything better than uh, your, your girlfriend making a solid Bill Watts reference, Kevin? Well, the answer is when she correctly corrects Booker T over the naming of a move. Thank you. That's fucking great. That's a milestone Thank right you. there. Thank you. Know? And I must say, I made a really funny Heenan reference with his hammer being in his coat the other day. Oh, yeah? I was really proud of myself for that as well because it was on a wrestling group I'm, I'm a fan of yeah. on Facebook and they all liked it they're like well it's cool see is it you impressed them you impressed me everyone's yeah. impressed it works I was really happy <laughs> everyone watch wrestling so we can all be impressed by you <laughs> I loved the selling for his leg oh yeah he that, that was such a great fucking like that's how you sell a whole Amazing. match 
Not yeah. a cell job that you forget when it's time to do your moves. No. <laughs> or a cell job where the pain seems to migrate from the thigh to the ankle and anywhere in between. It moves around. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's proper selling out. Lots of back and forth in this one. And they had hair pulling and scratching and stuff, which I thought was really entertaining. Scrappy, I think. Scrappy, right. yeah. Like they put him in the figure four leg lock at one point. He's in the, in the figure four and they start slapping each other yes. in the face. I fucking love that. Punk at one point, uh, he starts beating up Brian in the corner. And then he turns around and he says, I have till five referee and literally pulls a troll face. <laughs> now that was that was that wasn't a joke for, for you regular fans. That was a joke for us at home. Us who watch in Ring of Honor, where Daniel Bryan used to always turn to the referee and tell him that he had until five referee when he was doing an illegal manoeuvre. Which I've heard a lot about, but I have never seen this. Even yeah. in the matches that we've watched for How to Daniel Bryan, we didn't see it once. Because Ring of Honor, the, right, earlier on I wasn't saying that Ring of Honor don't have a subscription service or anything like that, but for the fact is, right, that Ring of Honor, if you think it's actually genuinely smart that I can't Google, I have till five referee Brian Danielson, and you've got no fucking clips of that, mm. you're fucking stupid. You yeah. really are. It's not good. And that's the kind of, yeah, I mean, that you will see that with more... Ring of Honor matches that we watched, it was kind of Brian's trope almost, because everyone would say it along with him, you know. It was kind of like, it's almost like Rocky Horror, you know, that there was stuff that you would say in the Ring of Honor matches, like, I have to five referee. It was really, right. really kind of cool, <laughs> a little funny thing, you know. At what point Daniel Bryan pulled down his knee pad? Oh, yeah. What? So, right, if you're doing a move that uses the point of the knee... To make that manoeuvre more devastating. More painful to pu- yourself. Pulling down, yes, but more painful to your opponent. So pulling down the knee Is pads. Is it though? Because I'd have thought knee pads, aren't they quite painful to receiving end? Well, I mean, you're taking away padding. So it's just the uh, the point of the knee, you see. There's no point in a knee. There's no What are you talking about? you point. got fucking the curvature no, there. There's and no, there's no... that bit there. That's yeah. soft. Uh, well, it's it's it's... it's Flat. Well, maybe he's got hair on his knees like I do and you get a dreadful rash. That's ridiculous. <laughs> I refuse to believe that pulling down padding is somehow going to affect anyone but you. Why do you think knee? The Rock pulls off his elbow pad before I the I didn't team know he did. It's to make it devastating. I didn't know he did that. <laughs> it's devastating. <laughs> a devastating manoeuvre. Oh, I think that's taken. ridiculous. Although it makes more sense with an elbow because elbows are pointy. But yeah. knees aren't pointy. You you kneel on your you knee. Pull down that knee. Ty Dillinger does that as well with in NXT. He pulls down the knee pad for his finisher yeah I never understood that yeah there you go that's silly oh there's a fucking sick spot here where CM Punk crotched Daniel Bryan on the ropes and then he clotheslined them off them and he landed a big splash they seem so evenly matched in this this match yeah two fire type Pokemon yeah head to head similar styles and they could read each other and Bryan's got all these moves but Punk has counter moves and it's just great great back and forth with these guys great chemistry unbelievable chemistry these two could like they only wrestled a few times in WWE. Really? But every time they did, it was special. And yeah. This was really fucking awesome. Uh, the ending sequence was absolutely insane where they keep just trading maneuvers. Ends up with CM Punk in Daniel Bryan's dreaded yes lock. Mm-hmm. And uh, Punk uh, is about to tap out, but he rolls Daniel Bryan onto his shoulders. So Bryan ends up being counted down to three, but Punk taps out just afterwards. Right. So it's a really cool ending in that Punk, yes, he bet Bryan, but he also did tap out so Brian is like left kind of really frustrated <laughs> there in the end the best thing about this though is that again he's doing now he's telling the fans that he hates him and all this stuff but again what do we find then at the end of this is that Daniel Bryan gets put into a tag team with Kane who's someone else who's got a lot of anger problems and they're put together by AJ who becomes like the the, the, the general manager of the show the important thing about that is essentially that Brian and Kane are both told that they have anger management 
problems. And have Kane and Daniel Bryan had any sort of interaction before this? They were feuding a bit here and there. Like uh, Daniel Bryan Kane had like feuded a little bit and wrestled at SummerSlam and whatnot. So the idea was that Bryan had a psychiatric evaluation where he's told that he was too angry to be a wrestler. So if he wanted to continue wrestling, he had to do anger management. And I can tell you, my God, I only watched these like the one time when they came out, but showing Joe the anger management segments with Daniel Bryan and Kane and Dr. Shelby and Harold. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Did, what did you think of them? I absolutely loved it. This is kind of what I always hoped wrestling would be. Just silly, in-betweeny bits where they're just having fun and it's kind of a bit scripted and it's just ridiculous. It's something we've talked about in the podcast a million times, which is when wrestling is funny, there's this sweet spot where wrestling is just goofy yeah. enough, but just, you know, just high enough production values or high enough kind of, uh, it's not fucking ridiculously goofy, where it's just this perfect crossways of like, you know, the wrestlers and the humour and oh God, I love this, these things. This is that. It's so funny and it's great because I've not seen Kane in many comedy roles in he's wrestling. He's so funny. He's so funny. I mean, I saw timing, him wow. in, when Seth Rollins gave him his holiday trip to Hawaii. I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Because <laughs> of his facials and all yeah, that. Yeah, he's like, just yeah. so unexpected. It's Kane. And I didn't even know anything about Kane and I knew it was the funniest thing. But this, Demon Kane as I like to call him. <laughs> <laughs> you and Michael Cole for the month of October. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so funny. I think it's so, so funny. Highlights of this include Daniel Bryan and Kane having to write uh, an anger collage. <sighs> Which is Daniel Bryan has this little piece of paper which says like the word yes and no written in <laughs> mad writing with a sharpie. And he goes, so Daniel, could you take us through your, your, your rage man? He's like, I say yes. These people say yes. I say no. People say yes. Yes. No. Yes. No. <laughs> angry little man like, no. Yes. I just loved how it ended up with them kind of not feuding or they're still kind of feuding but they kind of become friends they become frenemies frenemies that's Almost. a good term I yeah. think it's what they become because just, they, they, they kind of they bond over the fact that they both hate that they're in therapy yeah. which they hate more than they hate each other yeah and I think it's like so funny you got like Dr. Shelby trying to make Kane and Daniel Bryan Kane by the way he's there in his fucking wrestling gear yeah you know they're staying out like sore thumbs it's so fucking it's the gold. bit where Kane was playing the waiter in his wrestling gear with his demon oh they're doing, they're doing role play and he's Gerald the waiter yeah and, uh, <laughs> Brian because he's a vegan wants a steamed vegetable platter and, uh, just Kane in his mask saying hello my name is Gerald <laughs> How may I take your order today? It's so funny. It's so funny. Did you like the uh, when Harry met Sally thing where they're talking about beating people up with chairs going, hit another one and another one. Yes! Yes! <laughs> ah! I loved that, but I haven't seen that film. Oh, shit. Uh, Didn't maybe. know that was a reference. That's one for a swirl, like, if uh, <laughs> Sam has also not seen it, like. Um, I do love as well with Team Hell Now, even though Team Friendship always would have been a better name, there was a fan vote to decide their name. Oh, yeah, Team Friendship would have been way better. Yeah, but Team Hell, no, because Kane's from Hell and Daniel Bryan goes, no. Oh, well, that is quite clever as well, They did become the best of friends and they became tag team champions and their bond, which was uh, which was very, very tight, was tested then when uh, The Shield came in. So then The Shield feuded with, with, with Team Hell, no. Wow. But what was great about it is that you took like Daniel Bryan, he was this like really like psychopathic anger character and he became like, appealing to kids 
Right. Because you had this, like, someone who was a scary, like, no, get out of the ring. I hate everyone. And then he became this kind of, like, no, little angry Daniel like a Bryan. a stumpy child having a tantrum. I remember, like, there was a point where I was kind of like, you know what? Like, Mick Foley talks about it in his book. There was, like, a point where he was worried that he had lost his mystique of being this badass and had become a, a little goofy. And, like, a Muppet was his words. Right. And he was worried that the fans, when they think of him, would think of... You know, cuddly, muppety, silly, funny, as opposed to wrapped in barbed wire. And I went through a similar thing with Brian, where I was like, kind of, you know, every time he makes me laugh and every time he does something kind of funny and quirky, I'm like, shit, he's like not the wrestler I fell in love with. But then, this is going to sound so fucking lame. I do remember I was out once and I saw there was these kids and they had Daniel Bryan t shirts and they were doing Yes Chance and they couldn't have been older than six or seven years old. Mm. And straight away, I was just like, Okay, fuck my little feelings about him not kicking people <laughs> in the head anymore or not shouting, you're getting your fucking head kicked in. He's appealing to kids. Yeah. And that's important because if you don't appeal to kids, there's going to be, I mean, I don't want wrestling to be just fucking a bunch of like aging men complaining about it not being what it was in the Attitude Era. You need <laughs> to get, fuck, there's enough people doing podcasts about that already. And, <laughs> um, you need to, to get to kids. And Daniel Bryan did something that no one... like I don't even think CM Punk was able to do as well as this. I certainly don't think a lot of other indie wrestlers were able to do it, which is to go to WWE and make yourself marketable to children. Because Daniel Bryan merchandise sold like fucking mad. But the good thing is about Daniel Bryan, not only was he marketable to children, but he's still so entertaining to like me as an adult. Oh, yeah, and he was still in the ring. He was still yeah. an absolute beast. Don't, don't, don't take that away. Yes, don't misconstrue like, that, yeah. John Cena, obviously, is very marketable to kids, and that pisses a lot of people off. I've not gotten any kind of idea from anyone who's kind of sent any messages or comments that they ever went off Daniel Bryan. Because it was good. Yeah. It was really good. It's and- possible to target, I think, all ages. Yeah, absolutely. And I think Bryan, like, he... By doing this kind of goofy stuff, when he then became more serious, then he had this, this, this fucking rabid fan base, young, old. Like, I, I love when I see, like, kind of, when they were doing all the yes chants, and you look into the audience, and there's literally, like, there's great gifts of, like, this, like, really old man going, yes, yes, and beside him, there's, like, literally, like, a kid with the Daniel Bryan fucking all the merchandise laden Aww. and then going, yes, yes. And to be able to appeal to those two groups yeah. that strongly, no one else can say that. John Cena doesn't do that. Randy Orton doesn't do that. No one does that except mm. Daniel Bryan. No one on the roster currently. I don't know. Maybe the New Day. I'm not sure if there's anyone who has that cross generational appeal. Yeah. And that's really fucking awesome to see. I mean, we watched some of the bits from Saturday Morning Slam, which was a kids show that WWE ran briefly, where Bryan is like on commentary, and he's on commentary for a kids show that's going to be seen at ten in the morning on a Saturday. So he talks about bears. That was the kids show. Yeah. But that was so funny. So funny. Wholesome fun. If you can't do it on a bear, you don't do it in the ring. And then like he does a bear God. hug. He's got him in a bear hug. Oh my God. Genuinely, that was the most entertaining commentary ever. Absolutely. All commentary should be about bears. Yeah. Also as well, Daniel Bryan's brief foray as the Dazzler. Daniel <laughs> Bryan. Um, the Dazzler, which was a character that he did for only for Saturday Morning Slam and the online shows that they had on WWE, which is just him with his hair in a little curl. And also he does magic and refers to himself as being the Dazzler. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian, through the funny head with Team Hell No, and particularly through feuding with the Shield that we mentioned, this really gave him huge momentum. There is a storyline where people accused him of being the weak link. Because the Shield didn't lose a match for like 
nearly over a year it was. Right. And Brian like was pinned a lot in those kind of six man matches. So Brian became paranoid that he was the weak link because he was like, you know, the smaller guy. And he's like, I'm going to prove to everyone that I'm not the weak link. And what you had to end up having then is like all these matches where Brian is like, all just the pure fire clean hands. You know how good the shield are. You know, you yeah. Brian like taking out all the shield really got the fans behind him. The character became slightly more serious and less about kind of being like a little goblin man and more about being this guy who was annoyed that he was an underdog and wanted to prove that he could. And he started doing the yes chant again. Massive momentum in the result of this. We ended up getting here to our, our next match. And it was the last match which we're going to look at, which is Randy Orton taking on Batista and Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship in the main event of WrestleMania 30. How he got to that point was very interesting. Um, Batista was brought back. He was put in the Royal Rumble. He won the Royal Rumble. The fans did not like that fact because the fans wanted Daniel Bryan to to win the Royal Rumble. And he wasn't even in the Royal Rumble that year. Oh. So fans essentially turned on it. They fucking booed like never. You thought Roman Reigns was bad when they thought Batista and Randy Orton was going to be the main event. The fans really turned on them. So they ended up kind of jerry-rigging a storyline a few weeks before WrestleMania where Daniel Bryan hijacked Raw. And me and Joe watched this. It's on the network as part of the, the, the collection they have up at the moment, where Bryan brings in all the fans into the ring and they're like, you know, calling it Triple H. I love that visual of Bryan in the ring surrounded by all these people in yes t-shirts all doing There the must chant. be, what, 100 people surrounding him? I love it. And like Triple H coming out as well. Like, kind of a, why don't you and the rest of the hippies go eat a tofu dog? I just love that he then tried to summon security to clear them out. And they were like, nope, no idea. Can't handle that. It's like, okay, we'll, we'll try Damien Mizdow then. And he comes out and he's like, what do you want me to do? He's like, go wrestle. He's like, there's a hundred people in the ring. Do it anyway. <laughs> so Brian cajoles him into getting a match against Triple H at WrestleMania, which actually, funnily enough, was one of the first matches I ever watched with you. We got trapped on a bus that broke down. Yes, we did. And I was like, hey, let's watch WrestleMania 30. And uh, All hope is not lost. Triple H and Daniel Bryan, which in fairness is, a, is an amazing match to, to watch. It made that very long, stranded in the middle of nowhere on a smelly bus kind of bearable. I mean, you had, you had, you had great wrestling, you had Triple H had a funny outfit, and, tri- and Stephanie was there as well, so we could talk about her terrible outfit as well. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a trifecta. But that led on to our main event here, which was the main event of WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan, you know, to go from having a match bumped at WrestleMania to losing in 18 seconds. The year after that, he was in like kind of a forgettable tag match with Kane. It wasn't really featured to being in the main event. Yes, at last. And there's something symbolic about Daniel Bryan taking on Randy Orton and Dave Bautista. Literally, my two least favourite wrestlers ever. I must admit, I was confused when I saw this on the match list. Why? Because you were like, didn't think that well, this like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan makes sense. Daniel Bryan and Chris Jericho makes sense. He's like a, you know, really amazing wrestler. Obviously, Bryan Danielson versus Tyler Black makes sense. And then you've got him versus Randy Orton and Batista, who I know you don't like don't, particularly. Not to say, I mean, like, those guys you don't entered, hate them. I don't hate them. I mean, they've entertained me, absolutely. But just in terms of guys I want to see wrestle, they're at the they're bottom. They're no of my Daniel Bryan. Absolutely not. I mean, I got really jazzed up for watching this. And I'll be honest, wee bit emotional as well when we watched the Monster music video, the, the hype up for this match, where you get to see Bryan's whole career. And like, they even include the clips of like Miz saying, like, oh, you'll never be a star. You've got no personality. And like, you've done nothing in the WWE. You'll never be 
a main event player, you're B plus, and then like Brian in the main event, it's just like, oh, gives me chills just even thinking about it in front of that huge, huge, huge crowd. Now, what was cool about the story of this match is well that obviously Daniel had already wrestled Triple H, and after the match where he beat Triple H at WrestleMania, how can you say Daniel Bryan was getting buried at this point is beyond me? He yeah. beat Triple H at WrestleMania clean with his finisher, but Triple H beat him up afterwards, so Bryan is coming into this match tired and injured he's got like his shoulder all wrapped up so it's like a real proper underdog story randy orton was was doing a very good job of being a heel in this match because you let me know multiple times while we were watching this how much you hated oh randy. i hate randy orton <laughs> i hate him so much why because <laughs> he looks exactly like my ex oh really exactly like him in the eyes do you want me to beat him up He's got a weak shoulder, like. If you just... Do you want me to throw a bin at him? If you're a bin, (laughs) you can take him on. Let me tell you something, Randy Orton. It's bin day. It's garbage day. You're going down, Randy Orton. I think it's important, though, to point out that I don't hate him in that I wish he wasn't a wrestler and Mm. I never want to see him again. I can't remember what that's called. Go away, heat. Go away, heat. Yeah, yeah. It's not that. Good job. It's... I genuinely think he's despicable. Yeah. And he's just... I want to see him get beaten up. And there's no wrestler... I feel like that with other than Randy Orton. Really? I haven't even seen him wrestle that match many That's times. Really but he's I get so fired up and like, oh I hate him. Well, I love it. in the <laughs> middle of this match, Joe turned to me and she went, Has Randy Orton ever been a face? And I go, Yeah. How? <laughs> and I it go, makes no sense. I'm like, he prefers to be a heel. It's like, well, obviously. He's a fantastic heel. And I don't hate him because he looks a bit like my ex. It's it's I I just he just seeps this Oozy arrogance. Song. Yeah, yeah, he's just so. Like the, bit the start hate. where he throws, he throws like Dave Batista and you know Brian out of the ring, and he's just his little pose. He does this like, oh, it's like. so vain and I love arrogant. I just, oh. When he does that little pose with his arms out, I just want someone to put a little cell phone in there for him to be taking a selfie. Like, yeah, it's just absolutely perfect. Like just, I'm the greatest. <laughs> I want to beat him up so badly. <laughs> oh. I noticed at the beginning of this match, they showed a promo package showing segments from uh, Daniel Bryan's indie matches. And I was thinking, there can't be many wrestlers from WWE they would be willing to include indie matches from. I can't imagine them doing that with Seth. Well, you notice now, that's kind of interesting that you mentioned that because that would have been around the first time that they actually started doing that, including really? indie footage. Because now on NXT, you remember they did like, the features on Finn Balor and the features on Sammy and, and Kevin Owens where they did show a lot of you know indie footage. It was like a thing that WWE wouldn't have reached out to promotions before, but obviously Daniel Bryan set kind of a precedent. Yes. I, I, that's one thing that Daniel Bryan did, which was it made fucking... Triple H and Vincent Mann or whoever it was who had a fucking bee in their bonnet at indie wrestling or acknowledging the existence of indie wrestling like it's a fucking bad thing. Without Daniel Bryan, there's no NXT as it stands. He helped break down that mold that if someone comes in and they're an accomplished wrestler, which means that, oh, we have to train them all over. Their skills aren't transferable. You know, they they don't have no personality. They won't grow. They'll be stuck in door. He just proved all of that. Yeah. And again, it, it starts off with them kind of not being... I mean, they did features on Ring of Honor saying, hey, look, all these people who came from Ring of Honor on the WWE website. Mm. If you told me that in 2008, I would have been like, no way in hell. <laughs> They're in a fucking bubble within a glass dome yeah. within a, with a fucking hell in a cell over it. And with their McMahon fingers in their ears. With a sniper rifle and a bucket of hot piss to throw at anyone who even suggests that they're related, you know? <laughs> really cool spots in this match where you get to see Brian's intensity. His 
corner drop kicks. I was going to say, his drop kicks are amazing. He somehow does them and he'll do them consecutively without ever falling on his ass. Yeah, he's he kind like of a, flips over as he's doing it. Yeah, like bam, flips over. He yeah. only ever falls on his feet. And I, I was watching because he was doing it so many times in a row. I was like, how is he doing it? He jumps feet first and still lands on his feet. Yeah. I still don't understand quite how he does it. And he really looks like he's making pure contact there. Yeah. But honestly, Dave Batista is not going to be someone who's going to go, go hard on me tonight, brother. Let's, let's go. <laughs> Fucking Dave Batista here with the lightest offense in recorded <laughs> wrestling history. Is he trying to like take the general average of hard hittingness down because Brian has brought it up? Like? Batista was awful in this match. Oh, so He was shit. completely no-selling Orton's punches. And he was gassed as well. Oh, he was really tired in this really one. Really yeah. bad. We have a really awesome moment where like Brian looks like he's actually going to start winning because he starts locking in his yes lock and Triple H and Stephanie come out like to stop <laughs> it and put an end to it fucking love that he, like, he dives out on top of all of them afterwards as well it's really really cool Triple H brings out his sledgehammer yeah and Daniel Bryan takes it but then it really bothered me because he then was about to hit someone with it but he didn't use the metal end he used the wooden bit right so what's the point of having a sledgehammer if you don't use the metal sledgehammery bit I just had a flash forward to how to Triple H where you're really not going to like how he uses that sledgehammer. Does he never use the metal bit? He puts his hand over the metal bit. What? That's so stupid. One time, one time he used, because the reason he does that is because it's a a shoot sledgehammer. The one time he used a a worked, a worked gimmick sledgehammer, he actually ended up seriously injuring the person. Oh no. So yeah. It wasn't even a real sledgehammer. Yeah, it was a fake one, but he hit him in the face and he he got injured. So there you go. Randy Orton, at one point in this match, him and Batista are going to do a double team. And as despicable as he is, it didn't stop us from fucking really jolting and go, oh, God. When Randy Orton does his neck breaker on Daniel Bryan, goes through the announcer's table, and only when the table is broken can you see the, the, the backstage monitor that goes right into the small of his back, and yeah. Orton just crumples up in agony. That was the most painful-looking thing. Oh, it was horrible. I remember horrible. watching that live, because the problem was, right, is that Daniel Bryan's actually taken out in a stretcher because he's been <laughs> put through a table, as if he Batista and Orton, and then Bryan comes back. And then Batista is the one left holding the fucking bag as Orton has basically broke his spine and Brian is off on a stretcher. Yeah, the one person who really could do with a stretcher right now. Yes, <laughs> Having to try and hold up this match. <laughs> um, this match was really, really great because this crowd genuinely thought that WWE were not going to have Brian win. Aww. Because there was a point like that. It's really, believable. It's, it is believable because people genuinely thought at this point that they still hated, the Triple H and Vince still hated Daniel Bryan, even though he was making them loads of money. They still thought that this was like, no, WrestleMania 28, 18 seconds, never forget, man. (laughs) And I love that because you've got like, Orton hits his finisher on Bryan, and like the crowd are like, fucking like, people are like, I'm going home. Yeah. Fuck this. And it's like, it's such a roundabout way, but we seem to be back where we were back in the 70s (laughs) with fans getting upset because of something that a wrestling promoter has done to play on your emotions to make you feel upset. <laughs> Almost as if we were being worked. No. Almost. Not me, man. We're far too smart to we're be We're far too smart. We know when a work's a shoot and a shoot's work, brother. I've seen a picture of Dave Meltzer's office on Google Image Search. I follow Dave Meltzer on Twitter, so I can't be fooled. I follow a bot that says things that Dave Meltzer might say. I can't be worked. <laughs> So, yeah, it was really cool when Brian does finally come back into this match, you know, and he does end up slapping on the S-lock on Batista. And what I love most about it 
is that you know, we saw at the start in NXT 2010 where Michael Cole was like, look at this nerd. He's a vegan. He's a, he's a <laughs> freak. I hate Daniel Bryan. And Cole, because he is so... Gen- Cole can't put on the switch. Like, Jim Ross can go, emotion. Back on, back. You know, he can turn that on. Cole can't. He can only do it if he genuinely feels it. He's a robot. He is a robot that only has capacity. He has to have Vince McMahon programming in backstage. <laughs> Quickly put in the anger emotion. What I love, though, is that when Batista is in that move, and it looks like Batista is going to tap out, Cole, you can actually see, if you look just over the shoulder of Brian, Cole actually is holding his microphone right to his fucking face and going, tap out Batista! Tap out <laughs> Batista! He is so into it. Bless and I, I love the, the, the fact that there's Michael Cole, the announcer who was, whose job it was, was to tell you that Daniel Bryan was not a star. Yeah. And Daniel Bryan is in the ring in the main event of WrestleMania, locking in his finishing move on the guy who, four years previously, I told you that, like, and there was a point where it looked like Batista might not kill Daniel Bryan. The same guy, and he taps out to yeah. Daniel Bryan. I thought, that's just fucking, that's beautiful. Like, yeah. It's the most perfect moment in wrestling uh, of the modern era where Daniel Bryan wins and the fo- everyone in the crowd just loses their shit they can't believe it what a reaction they I, got I'm not surprised at all that people reacted like that because if he's already won against Triple H I know m- myself if I'd been watching that whole show I'd be like well he's already won he's you know he's gonna lose this next match they wouldn't have him win twice and in fairness as well how frail is Triple H's ego if you beat Triple H you're gonna beat everyone alright if yeah. you can beat Triple H you damn sure can beat Randy Orton and Batista because I'm a bigger star than either of those guys <laughs> I love this match though it's a feel good story it's so good when they, he wins and they're, they're, all the confetti comes down like the miracle kid the mir- a miracle on Bourbon Street oh god it's just love it what's really sad about it though is that that for me is the last kind of moment where you can go Daniel Bryan, the future is bright, amazing. Because the next night, he was getting married to Brie, and the night after that, his father died. Oh. And then around a month later, he got like one defence on pay-per-view against Kane. Oh, I kind of remember his dad dying on yeah. the Total Divas. It was really sad. It was really sad. And then like a month or so after that, then he gets the news that, yeah, you've got a bad injury, and you're gone for indeterminate amount of time. And it was really sad because I was like, he has all this momentum. You have the perfect moment and then it's gone like that. And there's a horrible gaping hole there because you've got all these fans who every week, if anytime they see something nice, they're chanting yes. And they see something they don't like, they're chanting no. And the guy who's originated that is at home wondering if he's ever going to come back and wrestle. And he did come back in time for the following year's WrestleMania, which is really exciting. And he was in like a big Intercontinental Championship ladder match. You know, he he was there to kind of help Roman Reigns in the previous month. We watched the fast lane match with him and Roman Reigns where he kind of put Roman Reigns over. Yeah. He won the Intercontinental belt at WrestleMania. And it literally has almost like a repeat of the year before. Not say his dad died again, obviously. (laughs) He's brought back to life. And then now, a month after he won that Intercontinental belt, he got like concussed in a match with Sheamus. And again, it was like doctors wouldn't clear him out for indeterminate amount of time. That was basically the last year we've been sitting going, what's the deal with Daniel Bryan? And it really, I I, I do get upset when I realise that I basically stopped caring. Aww. He stopped being my favourite wrestler because I was like, oh, I've been hurt too many times, man. But it's just like, it's so hard to kind of, to that journey that like, if you have to understand, if you've been on that journey week to week, the highs, the lows, thinking, fuck, he's been fired. Fuck, he's been buried. Oh my God, he's done it. It's so hard to, particularly when you've got a full-time job as well, I might yeah. add. It's very hard to find the time for that enthusiasm. 
It's difficult as well when there's so many amazing wrestlers all the time now. I yeah. mean, there's we've got NXT, and NXT is good now. Yeah, because in 2011, 2012, it was Daniel Bryan, CM Punk. When you talk about 2015, I mean, how could I hardly cry about Daniel Bryan not being around when I had Luke Harper, Cesaro? I mean, all, again, I could, we could list all the fucking amazing yeah. indie wrestlers. I mean, fucking Samoa Joe and AJ Styles are on WWE TV mm-hmm. now. That's because that's the legacy of Daniel Bryan. And it really broke my heart to see him come out and do his retirement speech because I was kind of like, I just put it off in my head. I knew it was coming. I knew he was going to retire. And I thought that when he came out and retired, I'd be like, well, fuck that. I'm sick and tired of this anyway. I'm, you know, I'm annoyed that I spent all this time caring and fuck it. He's just going to be retired because they made him retire and he should be wrestling. But the sad news is, is that he couldn't wrestle anymore mm. because of his injuries. Concussions... The more we learn, the more we realise that, yeah, it's for these wrestlers' best interests. That, you know, it, it's a horrible thing to admit that your favourite wrestler shouldn't wrestle anymore. So is he not going to wrestle anymore then? Never again. He's not allowed. That's but I mean, he, I know he's not allowed to wrestle with WWE. No, because that's what I thought. Because he had said previously, if they don't sign me off, I'm just going to go to Japan or go to Mexico. Because he just wants to wrestle. But he had said, he's like, I'm not wrestling anymore. Because I, I can't, because I want to start a family. Yeah. I can't in good conscience go out there and possibly risk paralysis, brain damage. Mm. I mean, you need to look over and look at Mick Foley, yeah. who has admitted that he basically, his sensorial world around him is like he's underwater all the time. He can't even play with his kids. Like. You know? Yeah, and I think that Brian kind of, he's young. Why risk it? And it was, it was he had his moments, you know, and he had, he was, he proved, he was able to prove all those people wrong by reaching those milestones. You know, he never got his year on top as the champion, but you know, it wasn't about that. It was the fact that he was able to prove those critics wrong. And the fact that if Triple H and Vince McMahon are cool with Daniel Bryan beating Triple H, Randy Orton and Batista all in one night, well then they obviously were going to put him in the position to be that champion for a period of time. It was going to happen. We didn't get it, but it was going to happen. It's sad. He's, I did cry at his retirement. Yeah. I've not cried at wrestling in some time. It was really sad. I mean, even as someone who knows, you know, who at the time knew nothing really about Daniel Bryan, it was really sad. Do you know what? why it was about Daniel Bryan? That it's just that smile again. He's got a lovely smile. When he came out and he had that smile, I knew everything was okay. Because mm. you've seen sometimes when guys have retired and literally it looks like they'd rather be you know, shop dead in the ring, they have to go out and say, I am retiring. Yeah. Or I'm, you know, leaving or anything like that. But Brian genuinely looked at peace, that he was totally cool. It's over. I've had a good run. That's it. And I mean, that's, it sucks for as a fan to kind of go, you're not going to see another Daniel Bryan match. I can't imagine what it's like as a new fan, like to, to kind of almost process that. It's a difficult one because he's not been there for most of my, well, all of my oh, life. Yeah. I've only really come to terms with how great he is in the last week. Yeah. So it's difficult for me to kind of even get my head around his influence. Yeah. Let alone the absence of him as a wrestler. And also it's interesting for me because I know he'll be back. Even not necessarily as a wrestler, but he's going to be training them. Daniel Bryan, I think Daniel Bryan... Because everyone always gives him this thing that he's the wrestler's wrestler. He, He knows his holes in and out. He can... But... You look at that fucking, those Team Hell No comedy yeah. skits and you tell me that you don't want Daniel Bryan telling someone how to develop a character that comes from inside there. How to turn up the volume on your real personality, which is what all the best characters can be. He very much could be 
I think he could be a William Regal. Yes, exactly. In that mentor role, also as a coach. Yeah. You know? He will come into that role because I think he's so much to offer people. We don't know as well how much potential he has going forward. I mean, he was an amazing wrestler, but who's to say that this isn't the start of an entirely new, infinitely better part of his career, wherein he shapes all future wrestlers. I mean, with NXT now being developmental, Mm -hmm. you've got William Regal, you've got all these amazing wrestlers training up these, these already fantastically talented, skilled athletes. And I'd say one of the only things that's really lacking with a lot of those NXT wrestlers is their ability to sometimes sell mm. and their promos. Yeah. Daniel Bryan has the best of both of those things. Yeah. I cannot think of anyone better. Absolutely. And I mean, when you're going to talk about the legacy of Daniel Bryan, we've definitely talked about, I mean, you know, the amazing wealth of matches, how he changed the style, how he managed to, you know, change the, the, the thinking of WWE. Obviously, it wasn't him on his own, but he was a huge part of that Um not only that, but I think the legacy is incomplete there. In that, I would like to think in twenty years' time, you could point at like the workhorse wrestlers and go, "That guy was trained by fucking Daniel Bryan," yeah. and you know that it's quality because it's Daniel Bryan who trained them, and he knows how to train someone. You know, I mean, you only have to think of the amazing work that people like Dusty Rhodes have done, that William Regal, all these wrestlers who were wrestling far longer than Daniel Bryan, mm. who, I mean, personally, I don't think they're even as good as him. Yeah. And he's so young Absolutely. and he has the potential to do that now. I mean, he could go on to do commentary even. He could do anything. How, how amazing would it be if Daniel Bryan, even if, even if he was just like a road agent, yeah. telling guys how to put together their matches and stuff. Anything like, he yeah. does, I have complete faith in his ability. Absolutely. Because you've got to realise like Vince's original inner circle, like his, his true inner circle, a lot of those guys are, are really fucking old. Yeah. You know? I mean... I do think it's starting to start looking at the next generation, the generation after that, of who are the backstage guys are going to be. Who are the guys you want to be turned to the wrestlers and saying, this is what you should be doing in your match. This is what you need to do in your promo. This is how you need to get over. Mm. Daniel Bryan's definitely at the top of that list as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Absolutely huge. We only scratched the surface of Daniel Bryan's wrestling career really here. We, we looked at some stuff. A lot of matches which we watched, which we maybe we didn't go into depth here. Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan at the Royal Rumble which followed on from that bit in the cage where Brian was in the Wyatt family. And that I, I showed Joe that just to show how much in the palm of his hand he could get a That crouch. was like the first thing you showed me in prep for this episode. Because the start of the thing is like, it's the Usos and the Wyatts in a cage. It's a shit night on Raw. Three hours, the crowd are fucking asleep. They're they dead. Are. They, are they hate dead. it. And within 10 minutes... Brian and Wyatt managed just to make it the most captivating like 10 minutes of television ever. Just by like certain looks, ways they moved their head. Mm. I I had goosebumps when the crowd woke up Mm. and they started doing that yes chant. And you can see... He does the slow yes chant where they all in unison go, yes! Oh my God. And you just see this huge auditorium and how many thousands of people were there. And there's no one not doing this. There's not a single person right in the very, very back. You've got people saying yes. It's just magical. I love yes as well. It's such a it's such a straightforward. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. I, I I am happy that that is a part of wrestling. Yeah. Now. When people chop, they're going to go woo. Okay. When people hear a promo that they don't like or are bored by, they're going to go what? But if people see something they like, they're going to go yes, and something they don't like, they're going to go no. Yeah. And that is considering you're up there with fucking Ric Flair and Steve Austin as someone who's changed the verbiage of wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. That's that's 
that should really show you how important he is or yeah. how, how far-reaching his influence has and been. And that's why I truly don't believe this is the last we've Absolutely seen Absolutely not, him, no. Because anything he does will be magical. Absolutely. Uh, other great matches which you might want to consider checking out. Uh, Daniel Bryan taking on The Miz at Over the Limit for the US title. Another one which we watched which was really great which was Daniel Bryan and Cesaro taking on Mike Quackenbush and Jigsaw from Chikara. Oh, that was so fun. Well, literally, they're in front of what seems to be two rows of, like, there's maybe 40, 50 people yeah. there, and they wrestle the fucking Luckiest crowd ever. Absolutely. And again, you type in Daniel Bryan into the WWE Network, you're going to find quality. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a Daniel Bryan collection up there now which is full. It's got a lot of those matches which we talked about. It's also got all the anger management segments, all that. Can I just say, WWE Network, about fucking time. Seriously, that's brilliant. Do, so do that. Yeah. It makes your life so easier. So fantastic for Shane McMahon coming up. Yeah, as well. There's gold on there. So that's a really cool, I mean, to see not just the matches, but the segments. You can even see his dark matches he had for his WWE tryout. Wow. Including Daniel Bryan taking on John Cena. Oh my God. From like, Velocity, which was like the B show back in two thousand and two, young Whoa. young John Cena who's just started out with really rookie Daniel young. Bryan. God. And again, uh, one which we, we were going to watch this before we realised again that we done it for Cena, which is Bryan versus Cena, SummerSlam twenty thirteen. Yeah. Uh, again, another solid gold classic. Now we're going to take a look at some tweets and some Facebook posts. We got. Probably the most we've ever gotten. I think we really struck a chord that Brian has been in the air. I'm really happy we did this episode now. So let's take a quick look at some of the social media. Daniel, do you have any comments? No. And as a matter of fact, you're going to hear me saying no a lot more often. See, I don't want to hear anybody in the audience chanting yes anymore. Yes is my catchphrase. Yes, I can be the greatest of all time. Yes, I can be world champion. I'm the one who gets to say yes, not these people. No, you can't chant yes. No, you can't steal my catchphrase. No, I don't need another psychiatric evaluation from some hack doctor. You hear me? No, 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 no. Reasonably Sunny says, if I try to explain his insane popularity to non-fans, they don't get it. Hard to describe, but magical when you see it. I think that that's a that's definitely it. I mean, even if you are a wrestling fan, I mean, I remember with, with Adam and Billy, as I said earlier, trying to like sell them on Daniel Bryan. They just didn't see it because he was just this mid-card guy who, you know, did some kicks and lost all the time. But it wasn't until really, I think, around when they started getting that big push and that momentum with, with Team Hell No and stuff that that maybe became a little bit more evident. I like to think that on the network that it's going to be easy for new fans to see how important Daniel Bryan was. Avocado Sandwich says, To put it simply, Daniel Bryan not only put on amazing matches, but he taught me how to be a better person. I actually, in a very brief moment of madness, 
because Daniel Bryan could do it, I became vegan. And I said, if I could do it for a month, I'd do it for a year when I lived in Glasgow. You did it because of Daniel Bryan. I did it because of Daniel Bryan. I didn't know that. Yeah. Me and my boy, Paddy C, were sitting down and I was basically becoming a big fat bollocks. And I thought, you know what? Daniel Bryan is, is my hero. He does it. Surely I can do it. And it was a hard month. And I got through it, and then I did it as a whole year. I, I mean, I would have done it longer if it was possible, but I moved to Lincolnshire, where they grow Vegetables sausages. Vegetables don't exist. No, just sausages. That's all. Sausages grow in trees and in yeah. fields. Why well, is that some sort of sausage, you mean? <laughs> so, um, yeah, Brian, I think he does make... I mean, I like... Some people find it a bit preachy, but I think it was really positive that you had someone who was such a big role model telling kids, when he's doing interviews outside of WB, about, hey, maybe you shouldn't get everything from Walmart. Maybe you should consider about some of the you know, smaller companies' sustainability growing. I mean, he was he's a big hippie, absolutely. But he's got some important stuff to say. And I was really... Maybe that's something I was a little bit disappointed about is the fact that his run was cut short because of injury, that maybe he didn't have a chance to... Hulk Hogan made a whole generation take vitamins, yeah. even though they didn't need them. If Daniel Bryan could make 100 kids go, you know what, maybe it's not a bad idea that I have a solar panel on my house. Mm. You know, that's how... He could have made it very cool. Yeah, he really could have made... I mean, he, he did have a huge impact, though, in that way as well, I think. Yeah. Aiden Ritchie, 27, says, Brian shows what kind of power the fans have. No matter what WWE did to him, fans wouldn't let him go away. And I think, yeah, some people, like, viewed it negatively when we talked about the whole thing where, you know, Brian kind of got inserted into the main event. But really, I mean, if you, you really think about it, fans weren't doing it to spite people. Brian genuinely was that good and him not being in that spot after so long and so many three years in a row being shafted i think they had no other choice but to listen to the fans in that case and i'm glad that they did you know because it was it was for the better it made them take that chance and it was able to see oh actually sometimes we do the things that the fans want it's not the end of the world Darren Gutteridge says, perhaps the only top babyface in the last 10 years who is unquestionably a good guy and universally loved. Yeah, I mean, in in an era where not many clean-cut good guys seem to do quite well. I mean, John Cena, for instance, is proof of that. Being a clean-cut good guy doesn't necessarily guarantee you adulation from the fans. But Brian was able to carve out his own niche, I think, by demonstrating that he was able to do all this comedy and these weird different aspects to his character. That when he did just become, I'm Daniel Bryan, I'm here to win, yes, 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 straightforward, fans were just like, fuck yeah, because you're entertaining. We, we, we understand. Let's get behind you. He kind of proved that he, he could do everything. So yeah. then they were able to cheer him just as this straight-up good guy. The FBK13 says it all turned around for him once he got put in Booker T's Fave 5. Oh, yeah. Uh, Booker T would have some call his Fave 5. His Fave 5 were his five favourite wrestlers, right. which changed intermittently depending on what he was thinking or what he had for breakfast that day. Brian, when he was kind of mid-card struggling a little bit around the time he won Money in the Bank, was constantly being put over by Booker T. He would call him D-Bran. My boy, that's superhero D-Bran. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking love being a Booker T's fave five. I, I call him D. Bryan because of Booker T. So thanks a lot, Booker. Hoff 52 says, Daniel Bryan is the reason I follow WWE again. Got network free trial before Mania 30. He re-hooked me. I think that's the way for a lot of fans. We have gotten so many messages where people said, jaded fan, stop watching, Daniel Bryan watched again. And guess what? Those fans are still watching yeah. now. I mean, because even you were saying that you were becoming a jaded fan. You almost kind of... If Daniel Bryan didn't come along and we still had, like, 
the kind of the shitty booking of of some other guys and you know other guys not being pushed and CM Punk you know leaving in the way that he did. if all that other stuff happened I think that I would have stopped watching wrestling really and Brian really did I mean I hate to think that I'd be one of these people that even if I hate wrestling I'll keep watching but I mean honestly I didn't never want to become one of those guys who kept watching wrestling despite the fact that he fucking hates yeah. it like I, I so there was one person once on Twitter. Who I saw it was when I first started doing the editorial podcast. He literally tweeted someone saying like, "Get out, man! Don't become a fan like me. It's not worth it." It's like it's fucking wrestling. Aww. If you're watching it and you hate it, and I was really worried that was what it was going to be. Oh no! And I'm I think Daniel Bryan saved me from becoming that. He restored my hope in the order and justice of the wrestling world. <laughs> and also, he did lots of cool fucking moves as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Count Crory says, probably the defining wrestler of the decade. Proved to McMahonland that modern fans want skill over size. Yeah, that's true. And please, if someone can Photoshop McMahonland and come up with ideas for rides, Jesus. sorry, you're over five foot six, you can't get a push on this ride. <laughs> <laughs> you must be this handsome to get on the... <laughs> It's like, you must be saying, this is a picture of Roman Reigns. Sorry, you can't get on the bumper cars, pal. <laughs> Afro Charlie says, the point is, if you search Daniel Bryan or Bryan Danielson versus anybody, you're going to have fun. I can't think of a bad Daniel Bryan match. Yeah? Yeah. He wrestled the great Cali once and got killed in two minutes and it was still good. <laughs> you know? Kate Yeah says, please address the long hair versus short hair hamptiness debate. Mm, I personally... There was a point where his hair got too long for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favourite Daniel Bryan would have been late Team Hell No when he had the, the beard and the longish hair. Yeah. The hair on your length. Yeah. But when the hair was like so long that it was like, he did look a bit weird. But I understood why he did that though. That that gave him a look. It my, made him unique. No one else looked like that. My personal fave look for Daniel Bryan is when he had short hair and just stubble. Oh, yeah. He looked very handsy there. Interesting. Fizz vs. The World says, His initial feud in WWE with his NXT mentor, Miz, was a great showcase for both men. Yeah. It's amazing how every attempt by WWE to cool his jets only made him more over, even the 18 seconds at WrestleMania. Yeah, I think, like, there was a point where they did start kind of going, right, let's make it look like we're burying him. <laughs> but that was not the first few years. Absolutely not. FT Punk says, I know everyone will sing his wrestling praises, but I hope you guys talk about his comedic ability. He is honestly, I think, I think he's the funniest wrestler we've covered. Oh, yeah, wrestler I wrestler I think so. I, I know of. Yeah, no. I, and you know what, Brian, you should do some acting. Yeah, seriously. Know? If there's anyone out there comic timing. with potential for an acting career, it's, it's him. And Off-White Ethan says... Daniel Bryan made me love wrestling for the first time since Eddie died. He brought me back and I'm forever grateful. Yeah, and I think that was that was the word that they used to the announcers were using. It was obviously something that Vince was telling people to say. When he retired, the word that they used was grateful. Was that we are grateful for what you've done in terms of what you've done for the wrestling business, but I think fans as well were also they were just grateful for just for the quality of the wrestling and for, you know, if you can make fans come back to wrestling and stick around that that's great, like, and I think he really did help that. And I love seeing when fans kind of who think that the wrestling is just ugh, oh, it's the same fucking ding dong. I hate this. I'm not gonna watch again. And they can turn and see someone who's five foot eight, two hundred pounds, and that little guy can make you a fan for life again. That's amazing. Because yeah. honestly, if you are a wrestling fan, you're gonna go no more. I'm not watching wrestling. 
that's a hard thing to turn back from. Yeah. To go, actually, I was wrong. Wrestling can be fun. No one wants to admit that. <laughs> Absolutely Especially not. Especially wrestling fans. My decision to not watch wrestling ever again is the best decision ever and entirely correct. <laughs> and I just want to show you over on Facebook as well. Um, I will say, we the recurring theme here on Facebook a lot was, he is the reason why I got back into wrestling, which again, I think as you mentioned was a, uh, a very, very big one. Brandon Debus wrote, Have you been a serious laps wrestling fan from the early 2000s until Royal Rumble 2014? I didn't know anything about Daniel Bryan. The first match I saw was his against Bray Wyatt at the aforementioned Rumble. I dismissed the matches between two jabronis I hadn't heard of. However, while the Rumble itself was happening and the crowd was going nuts with the chance, I was baffled to what was going on. I was a fish out of water. Wrestling crowds had changed so much. Who were they chanting for? Why were they chanting yes? Do they chant yes now instead of this is awesome? Why were they chanting no? Do people hate Rey Mysterio? Finally, someone linked me to Daniel Bryan's other work, including the Team Hell Team Hello vignettes and some of his matches against Kenta. Now I'm a fan for life. And again, I'll be honest, if someone who's watched Daniel Bryan nonstop since 2008, I've still not seen all of his matches. There's still a so great, many. vast unknown. So that's pretty cool to know. He's kind of like Frank Zappa in the sense that even though he's gone, he's got more shit than we'll ever be able to watch or cover in an entire lifetime. Okay. Well, that's nice. Very cool. Billy Roche, Billy Cable. Who Billy the hell's Cable. Hey? When I got back into WWE in January 2012, Daniel Bryan was the one guy I instantly latched onto on more than one occasion, and he was the only reason I continued watching the product. WrestleMania 28 was truly one of the most surreal moments as a new fan, and it endeared me even more to Daniel Bryan. He was my guy, and through everything that happened until up until his retirement, I cried just like Kevin. I cried too, buddy. I was the biggest goddamn mark from getting worked repeatedly until his big win at WrestleMania 30. I got to see him wrestle live at Raw in London, where himself, Kane, the Undertaker, took on the Shield, which has been one of the best nights of my life. It was also the night of I Have Diagrams. I even went to write an entire chapter of my university dissertation on Brian because I liked him so much. Oh. Another testament to how much I've always enjoyed him was that my girlfriend's brother made me a little Daniel Bryan for Christmas this year. That is going up on the Facebook. Um, quickly, as a, a last one there to mention about the I Have Diagrams. Um, Brian teamed up with The Undertaker and Kane to take on The Shield, who were undefeated. And because Undertaker and Kane were brothers, they were like talking in a corner. And Brian was like, you need to listen to me. I know how we're going to beat The Shield. I have diagrams. And he has a little <laughs> dry, a little stick figure, Daniel Bryan and Kane and Undertaker Aww. and all little arrows on it. Yeah, I mean, there you go. If it wasn't for Daniel Bryan, Billy wouldn't have started watching wrestling and there wouldn't be an Attitude Era podcast. Wow. Which means there probably wouldn't be a How-To Wrestling as well. Wow, that's so weird to think. Surreal. So Thanks, there you go. Daniel Bryan. Thank you, Daniel Bryan. That has been really cathartic for me in a way, I Do find. Do you feel better? I feel a lot better. I feel like I've taken... I don't want to say I feel like I've taken a big shit. Because <laughs> that's growth. But I feel like I've taken a big wee. Yeah? And that, that was kind of like, oh, that's nice. That's a good relief to get that out there. Do I'm you a, feel it's settled in now? I think so. The, I, the I, idea? I've come to terms with it a little yeah. bit, I think. Um, I certainly want to watch a lot more Daniel Bryan stuff, though. Yeah. That's definitely... Uh, I definitely want to re- see that diagrams <laughs> bit. <laughs> but it's great. I mean, like, I don't think I've shown Joe a thing with Daniel Bryan that you've not liked. No, not a single one. So, I mean, I think the journey of Daniel Bryan is far from over, particularly on this podcast as well. We will yeah. be covering him again in future episodes and I'm more than happy anytime you see his name come up on a match list you know as a new fan that it's going to be good yeah right well that's going to do it for this episode of How To Wrestling thanks everyone for this super bumper episode in terms of the tweets the match recommendations we'll try and get as many of those ones up as we can on kind of our extra viewing stuff on the notes and whatnot. and thank you everyone as well for uh, helping us guide Joe through these uh, 
you know, it was a weird one to do. I was worried that everyone was kind of like going to tell you like, he's really important. You should love him. But I'm glad to see that you kind of were able to arrive at that conclusion yourself almost. Yeah. I mean, I didn't hear anything negative about him, but then... That's the fir- is that the first one? That is the gone? first one. Yeah, I think so. But to be fair, I can't think of anything negative anyone could have to say about him. He's a vegan. He doesn't eat meat. <laughs> he's a nerd. He hasn't even got a TV. I like. mean, you can't say he's bad at wrestling because he's just not. He's you just can't not. say he's bad at promos. He's just is fantastic. Yeah. Everything I can think about him is amazing. He is absolutely an A-plus player, I he would is. say. He is. He is. You know what? He's definitely A+. And uh, speaking of A+, I swear to God this is due to Patreon requests and not just us going, we're going to review all the best wrestling in the world. But on the topic of the best wrestling in the world, our next episode, and thanks very much Ashley Clements on Patreon for being a $50 backer and requesting this one, you must really like us because our next episode is going to be how to Kurt Angle. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. The American something. Hero, icon. Hero. Not a dream though. Absolutely. He <laughs> wins lots of medals. Absolutely. Uh, he is Americana personified, the wrestling machine. And we want to know matches, segments, goofs and gaffs. Here's another one where I think Joe might be surprised to see how goddamn funny this is. I know we've talked about it on the A podcast a lot about the humour, but I want to really get some really great funny segments with Angle. Some of his matches as well, his highlight matches, his highlight feuds, thoughts, memories. Angle is retiring in inverted commas at the moment, so we may not be seeing him wrestling active anymore, so it might be a chance for a bit of kind of a career retrospective as well. Mm. Tweet him in, go to Facebook, hashtag HowToKurtAngle. Let us know your thoughts on the American hero and Olympic gold medalist himself. I can't fucking wait for that episode. All I know about him is he wears tiny hats. <laughs> Why are you laughing? He wears tiny... All like The pictures I've seen of him, he's always in this tiny little cowboy And he won hat. a gold medal with a tiny freaking yeah, hat. Yeah, I kind of... this. My mental image of Kurt Angle is he's got a tiny hat on and he's got a medal and maybe he's near a guitar. Okay, the other word I'll use to describe Kurt Angle that might give us some more help. These kinds of segments, please, folks. Milk. Uh, milk. milk? Yeah, I know. It, it, I don't want to get into it too much now. There's obviously a lot Hashtag to get save into. it for the episode. Hashtag save it for the episode. Hashtag how to Kurt Angle. And of course, we thank each and every one of you for tweeting in. And as always, you can follow us on Twitter at HowToWrestling for updates from Joe on episodes as well as thoughts on the current product. Lots of interactivity with people there. We love all the tweets we get in there. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Do make sure you follow HowToWrestling and Facebook.com forward slash HowToWrestling. Go over there, give us a like. You can contribute to discussions about upcoming episodes and maybe post over some links to matches and stuff like that as well for new episodes and thank you so much for listening to this episode if you've enjoyed it please do leave a rating or review on itunes you can find that just by giving us the old search you can also find us on soundcloud.com forward slash how to wrestling for an extensive list of all the episodes we've done so far and that's where you'll find them coming up also did you know paul we have a patreon and for one dollar you can get my episode notes for $5, you can get access to our monthly pay-per-view reviews. We've done how many of them so far? About six? From SummerSlam onwards. So you've got, I mean, they're full podcast episodes, okay, usually an hour to, to an hour and a half in length, where we review the uh, current pay-per-views of the WWE Network as they're coming out. And I would say, personally, looking back now on those kind of glut of episodes that we've got, that it's probably the most unique set of pay-per-view reviews you're going to find on the internet, as I am watching them with a new fan through new eyes. 
It's a real honest look at WWE's offerings for the past year. And, uh, if you do back us for $5, not only do you get this month's episode, but you get all the previous month's episodes as well. So you're talking about nearly 10 hours of content for $5 on patreon.com slash wrestling. Most recently, that was Fastlane, which we had a lot of fun looking at. But even more exciting, we've got WrestleMania. we got fucking WrestleMania coming up. That's going to be big. It's going to be as huge. As can be, because we'll talk about the Hall of Fame there as well, probably the NXT show. That's going to be a big one. So You cannot you... miss out. Make sure you are backing us. If you are a $10 backer, you can join us on our monthly live stream as Joe and I play YG Wrestling on 2K16. Not going to lie, I spent around an hour earlier in the week looking through on the community creations and adding some more weirdos to put into our roster. Please do feel free to suggest any other weirdos you think we should add. And of course, if you are the ultimate type of how-to wrestling fan, you want to steer this ship in directions that you think it needs to be steered in, for a $50 backing, you can choose an episode for Joe and I to review. We have had some amazing backers recently requesting episodes. We've got a list of episodes coming up that I myself, if I sat down and thought of what is the best set of episodes we could do, Honestly, we got some real barn burners coming up. Some ones are coming up as well that aren't just about wrestlers. We've got ones coming up about maybe match types or different aspects of wrestling. So if you've got one that you would love us to review, why don't you head over to patreon.com slash howtowrestling and become a $50 backer. We love each and every one of our backers and thank you so much for supporting this podcast, helping with the costs of running this podcast and helping us grow as we are trying to build up How To Wrestling over the next year. And I will say as well, there's been some uh, very smart people on Twitter, Joe, who've been buying people Patreon backings for gifts for Christmas and birthdays and whatnot. That's a very good idea. If, like me, you are a wrestling fan, but don't know how to buy gifts for people, why not let someone pick an episode of How To Wrestling that we can cover? It's certainly more interesting than a gift certificate. It's certainly more interesting than Hulk Hogan charging you 200 quid to say happy birthday, sign a pair of boots, and then think racist thoughts. <laughs> and of course, your absolute number one destination for all news about How To Wrestling upcoming episodes, and how to get into wrestling as a new fan, HowToWrestling.com. If you see someone on Twitter saying, how do I get into wrestling? You send them to HowToWrestling.com. Tell them Joe and Kevin sent you. <laughs> That's going to do it for uh, me, Kevin. And me, Joe. We will see you for How To Kurt Angle. Get those tweets in. I am so excited. Yeah. And we'll see you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya. Kevin. Hi. It's time for another round of the Instagram game. Oh goody. As usual I have a picture of someone from WWE and I have three comments and your task Kevin is to guess who it is they're talking okay. about. Okay. First comment. You're an inspirational individual who inspires many and a living example of how we should all be to truly appreciate life in every way and every day. Yikes. God bless you. Wow. H-H. <laughs> <laughs> okay, second comment. 
You're such a great motivation for millions of people. I've never admired any celebs like I've admired you. God bless. Yikes. Okay, so someone's on quite a high pedestal here. Yeah, third comment. Okay. Fuck me to my sweet ass. And then there's an emoji of a finger gesturing towards an okay hand sex emoji type thing. Do you know what I mean? So is this person saying they want to have sex? Yeah. Asking if if this person wants to fuck me to my sweet ass. Oh, so this person... So we're assuming that this is the post that had the person has a penis on the basis of that. Well... Because that could be narrowing it down. Because my initial thought was inspiration. I thought, oh, Nikki Bella, she's, she's a bit inspirational at the moment being injured. So having it not been that, I'm going to go with uh, John Cena then as a John result. Cena, John yeah. Cena, he's inspirational because he's always injured and getting back, getting better. Okay, final choice? Seth Rollins as well. <laughs> I'm just, just for randomly. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're wrong. Damn. It was The Rock. What? I thought that would be obvious. That would be an easy one. What the fuck's he done that's so inspirational than eat very big breakfasts? So the picture is of The Rock surprising children at a paediatric specialty ward. So yeah, he's been visiting them and telling them to, to stay strong. Oh, we can all be positive if we have a paragraph for a description on Instagram, Rock. <laughs> oh yeah, very good. Fine, I lose again. 